Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let them come. And so they came. Uh, welcome back to another episode of Where Heartbreak Feels Good. <laughs> I'm your host for today, Edgar Ortega. And joining me today to discuss everything that we watch in the months of October is my co-host, Josh D. Woodbury. Hello, everyone. Uh, pretty jam-packed month, at least for myself. Saw a couple, went to a couple of festivals, got a lot of spooky season watches in, and uh, some Best Picture prospects also to talk about. So, yeah. And joining us today, as well as usual, Evan Harris. Glad to be back. I'm excited. Yeah, October was a pretty solid uh, month for me. Didn't see a ton of movies, saw a lot of TV shows, but I got through a lot of stuff. I finished a couple of books, a couple of TV shows, some hey, movies. You know? Reading? I've had it. Reading, finished exactly. a game this month. We talked about the game. I finished. Oh, yeah, I've been playing. I'm like, I think I'm halfway yeah. through Spider-Man 2. Yeah, I've been taking my time with that game. Um, so, yeah, I'm having a blast. Yeah. Good times. Haven't bought it yet. Um, anyway, Tragic. what do we want to start with? We want to start with a spooky season a little bit, what we watch in do October. A... Yeah. Right. Okay, I guess I'm going to kick it off. Um, my very first luck of the month was The Exorcist 2, The Heretic. Not a good movie, Bob, but... <laughs> but it has some really cool concepts um it kind of like tries to play off as a drama more so than like i don't know i guess like jump scares but then it eventually falls into like the trap of like trying to recapture what the original did like there's like this a bunch of like sequences that involve like hypnosis and like you see flashbacks to like what's supposed to be like the original movie but like they're not like they're not using uh they're not reusing scenes they're like trying to recreate them with like new makeup and it just doesn't look good <laughs> um so, yeah yeah uh, i've heard a lot about this movie from uh nathan who also watched uh two and three back to back yeah i heard it wasn't good he, he recommended me just watch the third one that's what same one that's what told me too and um and yeah, I might go back in the future to watch the second one. I was saying this on another podcast. I, I like understanding the structure of a franchise, seeing like how the franchise is supposed to be built, especially after a widely successful first film. It's kind of like, I, it's why I loved watching all the Saw movies. So I can see why the good ones are the way they are and why the bad ones are the way they are. Um, and uh, for that reason, I saw Exorcist, I just saw Exorcist 3 and uh, the newest one. Um, and there's definitely big differences uh, between why one. I think we talked about Exorcist one last time, right? Because I know I watched. I don't it think so. Time. No, I don't remember. I don't think you had seen yeah, it yet. But I watched it like that was my first lot of uh, October. Okay, so we can talk about it now. Really. Too. Yeah, just very yeah. briefly if you want. Yeah, it's great. It's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. I mean, it, there's, not, there's not a lot to say, but the first one, the reason why I think the first one is so well done, especially comparing it to the likes of uh, Exorcist 3 and Exorcist Believer, is that we feel so connected to the mythology of the uh, 
you know, the darkness that, that is entrapping this movie. It's a very ominous movie from the jump. Um, we're not even introduced to our main characters until like 15 minutes in. What we are introduced to is like this ominous aura in like, uh, in, I think he's in Africa at the beginning of the movie. Um, and it, it just, it's a very scary premise. And then seeing the downward, uh, you know, degradation that uh, Reagan is going through, that the mom is going through, getting to have some time with my favorite character, Damien, what he's going through. I love, having that- I love the, the trope of like a flawed priest. Me too. Um, yeah, a flawed priest who has a like a very heartbreaking backstory with when he's dealing with his mother, um, and having that all play into how he interacts with Reagan and how he kind of deals with the situation in the third act. Like, it's a very smart screenplay where it's like these two diverging paths collide towards the end. Meanwhile, we're getting all this scary, crazy, iconic stuff from Reagan and the mom, their dynamic is very special and heartbreaking. It's a very good drama. That's why I like the first Halloween movie where the first Halloween movie is a very big drama until like the very end. Same thing for this movie. It's a very big drama until all the characters clash and collide and it gets super crazy at the end. Yeah. Um, and also like, that. also like another thing that we're going to get back to when we talk about believers uh, eventually. Um, I, I think another factor why the original exorcist is so good is because you actually care about what's happening to this girl. You care about exactly. what's happening to Regan. Like you can see not only the physical pain, but like the the um, emotional pain that it's causing not only to her but to her mother. And like you see, like that relationship, and you see like the dynamic that's happening between religion. Like you start the movie with this priest who's essentially losing his faith and, and tries to like recapture it, like up until the end of the movie, and then you have. The mother who does who isn't really a believer but like by the end of the movie she becomes a little bit more um i don't know what the word accepted it's more of like a has like more different perspectives on faith whereas we'll get to it later but believer it's just very one-sided yeah not only that but like (laughs) again we'll we'll talk about it later but like i i I, I couldn't even tell you the names of the characters of the two girls in in, in believer Whereas Reagan is so like, uh, so memorable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it does help that the makeup is pretty memorable, but uh, mm-hmm. also like just like the way that she plays that role, like, like um, again, uh, something that we're gonna get into the Exorcist three, also like how an actor portrays different personalities within one character. Mm-hmm. Like, you really do feel that. In with uh, Regan, um, what's her? What's the actress that plays Regan? Uh, Linda Blair. Yeah. Um, she's she's incredible. Probably, honestly, up there with one of the best. Like, oh, I don't know if you can say child performances since she was like on her teens, but still, like, really yeah. Good. I think child is like, yeah, what, sixteen down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah. The first one is a masterpiece for all those reasons. Um. But then let's get into my favorite here, Exorcist 3, which yeah. I... I mean, that's what, like, all of our whole friend group by Storm this, this month. This is wild. This, how have I never heard exactly. of this movie? Uh, a year ago, I didn't know there were Exorcist sequels in general. I was like, okay. I told you. I just thought they were, like, straight to DVD, like, yeah. disregarded. Yeah. Um, holy shit. 
This, this movie this is... This movie's insane. <laughs> it's such a masterpiece. It, this is the best Exorcist movie. It's one of the best movies I've ever seen. One, one of the best horror movies I've ever seen. Um, holy shit. Like, George... It's the name George C. Scott, I think, is the main character. Main oh, actor. he's incredible. The main actor, yeah. Incredible. Just uh, what a fantastic lead performance. Brad Dorf as Brad the Gemini Dorf killer. Brad insane here. Wow. Like, like, this is the same experience. Like, watching him having his monologue in the jail cell or, you know, in the hospital reminded me of watching um, The Shining and just watching his performance there um, where I'm just like, this is an iconic horror performance. How have I never heard of this before? Like, this is mind boggling to me. Like, everything was so right about Exorcist 3. The detective story is so invigorating, so enticing, so relentless. Um, we care so much about... Uh, George C. Scott's character, the detective, his friendship with the uh, with the priest, um, and then I love that. Yeah, that little aspect of their friendship is so compelling. Super compelling. And yeah, I love, I love the, the friendship they have. Yeah, continue. I love the hospital setting of it all too. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Hosp- hospitals are always creepy, but like the way they utilize it here, especially for that one. Jump scare. Oh, yeah. <laughs> One of the best of all time. <laughs> that a jump scare that totally didn't scare me at all. Uh, <laughs> no record of that at all. I um, actually watched this after Believer, which was a nice like getting <laughs> the bad taste out of my mouth. <laughs> so, like this is how you do a sequel to The Exorcist. That you keep that same tone, that same like slow paced nature, and really build up to something. But also like focusing on the the drama of it all and keeping that like detective this story also. Yeah. Also, something that is very like incredible to be to me about this movie is that a lot of the things that happen in the movie are very like accidental, like going like behind the scenes of the movie. Like um, Jason Miller, who plays uh, Damien in the original movie, he was supposed to play that entire role for him by himself, but like I guess they had like trouble with him because of. Uh, alcohol use or whatever like behind this behind the scenes like they hired a uh, brad Dourif to play like the gemini killers so like that's why there's like back and forth like cutting between um between both actors and it's just one of those things where like it's kind of it happened by accident but it adds so much to the movie because you you don't you never know what's going on like with these with this character which makes it even better for the main character like like mentally like what am what what the hell am I seeing? Is this real? Is this not like makes it more unsettling? Yeah, totally. Uh, you're right. Like I remember hearing about the behind the scenes drama there, and how even I think I think some of the producers also wanted it to just be Damien or just be the Gemini Killer, and then yeah. you know th- this was a film that was wrought with like production interference, as people would like to say these days, yeah. um, where people had different ideas, had no idea. ending yes. or whatever. Me neither. Yeah. Like. Having watched it, I'm like, oh, this is it all. It all checks all the boxes for me. Like, th- th- there was a certain thing towards the end where we're introduced to the blonde priest. He kind of comes out of nowhere. Um, but wait, but, it's but, also it harking to the original where Matt von, von Zedow like comes out of nowhere. Also, exactly. So it made sense, um, so, so it made sense tying it to the first film exactly. Um, but yeah, that that dichotomy of seeing Damien go back and forth with uh, Brad Dorf's Gemini Killer was just astonishing it worked so well on a character level where we don't know what is real what is reality 
um, what is fiction, what is fake, and then him trying to appeal to his friend or somebody he knew that has died. Um, and just seeing, like, whenever he's talking, whenever the Gemini killer is, like, having this huge monologue over That's how so he good. came back to life and how he was on the verge of darkness and he sees a light, I'm like, holy shit. And then he's tearing up a little bit, and you can see, like, that dichotomy between Damien and the killer was so, it, made, it made so much sense. Because he's tearing up inside. There's a lost soul inside of him that's like screaming to get out that just wants to have like, you know, his eternal rest. But he can't because he's stuck in this like state of control by the Gemini killer's demon. It, it was just so powerful. Um, and then again, just seeing uh, George E. Scott's character go through the ringer of like everybody he's close to is just dying one by one. And he's like, it's really starting to get to him. This is a fantastic detective tale. I couldn't uh, the sequence, right. the sequence when he's rushing back home is so well shot. No, 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 not just oh, shot, yeah. but really well edited. Attention. Yeah. Oh my God. That was so good. Yeah. Like, like we, we hardly see his family, but we care so much about his family because of everything that has been happening to him for the past two hours. Like, we're like, oh man, not another one. Please don't let this happen to him again. Like, come on. Um, so I really, I really care. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Also like another standout scene for me, it's like that, I think it's the beginning, towards the beginning of the movie where like uh, one of the pastors is like um, listening to a confession and the, yes. on the other side, it's like, you don't see anything. You just hear yeah. that really creepy voice. Ah, oh, so good. <laughs> it, 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 it was that's one of the best horror scenes I've ever seen. Like this movie has like a couple of horror scenes that are just always going to be etched in my mind. Like I cannot forget about them. Um, you're right. That, that whole confessional scene, just the way it's edited and shot, like it, it's very eerie. It's very dark, and we can't. It's only it's built by sound design and the voice acting alone because we can't really see. It's up to our imaginations what really went down after the fact too. Um, it was, yeah, it's very frightening. I mean, yeah. even the beginning of the movie, just seeing that, again that first-person perspective as like as a person that we're following, we don't know what it is is going through. We see the black child just like appearing in certain instances, then disappearing. Um, and the shots of all... the stairs too, like, mm -hmm, really add exactly. a lot up to it. Yeah. Oh man, this movie is so brilliant. Um, and, and then <laughs> and yeah, we're still from a. Oh, are you? No, I, I was going to bring up the, the iconic jump scare again. I just, I can't get oh, over yeah. how well shot that scene is. Just like the slow build of it all, the way it's framed, and then the fake zoom. out. Oh, the fake out, exactly. Yeah, it scared the hell out of me. It's like it's a fake out, but it's still it's such a jump scare of itself. Too. Good fake out, yeah. And yeah. also, like something that always gets me about that scene, now that I've seen it several times now, is like. It's not only scary because of the sound. It's not only scary because of how it's shot, how it zooms in, Zoom really, in like violently. Yeah. Like for me, it's like in my mind, you're like thinking, like, okay, afterwards, once it happens, you're like, what in the actual fuck was that? Because it looks <laughs> like it looks like the statue, but obviously the statue does, doesn't move, so it must be a person. But like, um, the Gemini killer is like locked up. So like, again, it's just yeah. like that. Like it, you just keep like wondering. Like it's such a smart move because. Correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, it's, it, that's the first and only time that we see like the actual killer kill yeah. somebody, right? So yeah. again, it's just like really well shot, really well execution of like you want to see who is behind these murders. And once you actually see it, it's only for a split second, but it's so effective. 
Super effective. Yeah, it's, it's one of the best jump scares of all time. Easily. Easily. And it's just such a cool move of William Peter Blatty, like the writer of The Exorcist, writing the sequel and saying, fuck Exorcist 2, I'm just going to direct this myself. <laughs> Ballsy. And it worked. It's a masterpiece. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like he hasn't directed a lot of movies after this, right? I think this is like he did something. He's only else. done this was his latest. He did this, and I think another book he uh, adapted. Uh, that's the ninth configuration. That's it. That's mm-hmm. only two movies. The direction in this movie is so fucking great, and we, man, this, this is this really is lightning in a bottle, man. If you want to go from an excellent movie to one of the worst movies I've seen this year. The oh, Exorcist wow. Believer. <laughs> so, um, just, you know, you Josh. Yeah. Based, no, I'm just, I'm just going to ask you, like, based on all your, you know, the way you talk about this movie, I have to assume <laughs> this is your least favorite, like, David Gordon Green movie, worse than all the Halloween. I mean, yeah, hands down. It's worse than yeah. Kills, which was trash also. Halloween Kills. Yeah. Um, it's just, it takes all the wrong lessons from the first Exorcist. It thinks it's doing a great job that like delivering a continuation, but it's not. <laughs> it's like that third act is such so messy, and the whole movie is really messy. And I think the only good part for me was Leslie Odom Jr. His performance was decent. Um, it just doesn't yeah. have that that tension that of the first movie. It doesn't have the uh, um, complicated. Uh, viewpoints of these characters it's I think it's kind of really one-sided when it comes to faith besides Leslie Odom Jr.'s character but he kind of like just gives into it <laughs> um, yeah that's uh, I, I think it's pretty bad um, wow yeah I, I didn't hate it as much as you did it's, it's not my it's not one of my least favorite of the year but it's definitely an underwhelming sequel it's astonishing they made this movie after having watched Exorcist 3, where the blueprint is there. The blueprint for a good Exorcist sequel is there. You don't have to I mean, did he watch Exorcist 3? That's a question that we need to ask. Probably I not. I mean, knowing how David Gordon Green operates with uh, his writers with, like, Halloween, they probably just ignore it. With, like, the sequels. Like, ignoring the sequels. Um, sure. I mean, you can ignore it in your storytelling, but just... Watch the good two-hour movie. For I mean, it's astonishing. The the uh, the structure is there. You just have a good um, demonic possession, which is fairly Here's. simple. Um, you could also contribute to like a detective story if you want. Um, but like we talked about, uh, the main ingredients for a good actress's sequel is have characters that you care about from different perspectives. Yeah. Like Here's- from the first movie, we had like Reagan. We had the priest Damien, and then we have the mother. We have all these different storylines. Then the third movie, you have the detective, then you have the priest, and then you have like his back and forth with the actual killer. Um, that's what makes this movie so, or this franchise so interesting, is that a lead protagonist is going back and forth based off of a strong connection with the possessed uh, entity. In the first movie, it's Reagan and the mother, which is fairly simple. It's a mother-daughter dynamic, very heartbreaking. Um, in the third movie, we get like, uh, the detective going against the criminal in this case, the Gemini killer. Um, but in in that case, it's even more interesting because it's also somebody he knew in the past. Um, in this movie, we have a father and a daughter. The ingredients are there. 
But for some reason, they add the another only, daughter. <laughs> well, they had they add another daughter, which complicates yeah. yeah, who we don't care about at all. <clears throat> but like, we hardly get the father and daughter back and forth. For some reason, we spend two hours trying to be like, what should we do? What should we do? It's like, okay, come on. Like, like and interestingly, the first movie also said, like, the mother's like, what should I do? But it's a it's a big it's a better uh, build and uh, build of dread that we talked about. And for like, this movie, it's very fast paced for no reason. Yeah. And, and in the first movie, you get to see a lot of scenes between, like you're saying, between uh, Raiden and her mother. Whereas this, it's very much like telling you that Leslie Jr. cares about his daughter without showing you. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Like, why yeah. couldn't we get the daughter like firing off? at the dad like at the end of the movie one of my favorite lines of the movie is that uh she says spoilers for exorcist believer if you haven't seen it i'm believing anyone cares at this point but yeah nobody cares at this point but like when the daughter says like you chose the wife to live instead of the daughter i was like oh okay that's an interesting line that was really interesting yeah that let's let's unravel that no it doesn't matter but it's like That's one of the interesting things that could have been built upon earlier in the movie. They they saved it for the very end, and it's just yeah. one line. It's like we come to the actresses to see this back and forth, like the person that you love or the person that you know is corrupted. Like, how does that make you feel? And we don't really get a lot of that. We just get it, like Josh said, like from Leslie Odom's perspective, going about talking to other people. Like, hey, yeah. let's talk to other people about how I'm feeling. It's just. It didn't really make me connect with him or the daughter, so I didn't really care about the stakes. Of the, and then it the becomes fun. like more of an ensemble in a third act, and that just doesn't work at all for me. They form their own like, little. They throw Avengers. so many characters. <laughs> <to> it. Yeah, <laughs> and it so many work. characters that we just did not care about. One of the most no. funny scenes of the entire year. I was laughing in oh, the theater. I when, know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> When the priest comes, first of all, this stupid ass priest is like, oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm like, fuck you then. Why'd you drive all the way over to my house just to say, like, I can't do it? Whatever. What a fuck you. And then he comes back five minutes later, is like trying to save the day, and then gets his neck snapped. <laughs> I was dying. I'm like, oh, this guy sucks, but he gets his neck snapped and is supposed to be like the super, like, oh my God. I was laughing. I was laughing. And Dowd is just like there collecting a check. Like she's just Oh god. They her no, her character is annoying, yeah. Oh, and Ellen Burstyn was incredibly wasted. Some of those like frustrating character work I've seen in the movie this year. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't it believe it. Sense, oh, yeah. She gets her eyes stabbed. And for she's what just sitting reason? in the hospital bed for the whole movie. Wow. And then she gets like, a reward for some reason. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. And then she gets her daughter back. And are we supposed to be like, oh, but she can't see her own daughter? Why? What, what kind of cool fucked up? <laughs> some sick shit. I'm like, my theater claps for her moments too. I was like, why? <laughs> why? Why are we clapping? She's not doing shit. She ain't doing shit. I mean, good for her I, for I collecting shocked. that chat. But yeah, but they the did weird, nothing with the, that character. The weird part of it all. Well, that the marketing marketed her like we care. Like, exactly, granted, yeah. granted, I didn't grow up on the actresses, so I didn't have like this huge like, oh, she's back. But it's like, <laughs> she's back. I'm like, he's back. No. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I know like, Ellen Burstyn from Pieces of a Woman a couple years ago. <laughs> <laughs> we know her because she's a great actress. But like, coming back, I'm just like, okay, 
are people really going to come see Exorcist because she's here? Really? Um, I mean, then, people in my theater did. <laughs> I, I guess, true. true. I I guess I some people. But then yeah. for her to come in there, like, okay, cool. You build her up. All the marketing, sure. Let's see what she does here. Nothing. In, in fact, they make it a cruel a cruel character arc for if it's even it's an so arc. weird. It's like, why are it's they so like, cruel to her? Like, like punishing her for some reason. Punishing her for some reason. Let her stab her eyes out. And then she apparently she never saw her daughter because they had a bad relationship after the fact. And the and patriarchy very... got in the way. Oh, <laughs> that line is hilarious. <laughs> it, it makes no sense to me. Um, Here's the funny like, thing about this movie for me is that for the first act or so, I was like, you know what? This is not half bad. It's not great, but it's not half bad. And the reason why I was like sort of enjoying myself is because I really kind of saw the vision of like trying to make like basically like spooky prisoners, like like uh, seeing like seeing the relationship, seeing seeing what uh what this kind of um scenario would do to uh, two separate families, two set of parents. What kind of um, psychological damage that can make and how they can turn on each other because of their children. I thought that was very interesting, but literally, and I think this is really fucking funny about the movie is that not even the second that she shows up, the minute that, that, um, that the, um, the exorcist team, the music team pops up in the movie. That's when the movie just like completely falls flat. And I'm like, I I don't think I've ever seen something like that in a movie where like, the first time that you make a reference to something else, the movie just like disregards completely everything that came before it's it like, and just like, it, like switches. Turns it into just some basic exorcism movie, not like the what made the first one and third one so special. Just disregards yeah, and, everything. And also going back to the kids, to the two girls, like like not only is the like Leslie's daughter underdeveloped, but like the other girl, the white girl. I don't know her name. I don't know what her interests are. I don't know what kind of relationship. I don't know she has any of the character's name from this movie. Whereas, like, I know Damien. I know Raiden. Yeah. I know the priest. Like, Kin- Kinderman, the, the detective. Yeah. Kinderman, yeah. Um, yeah. It's weird. It's like you established from the drum that there's these two daughters, e- even in the marketing. We, we go in expecting this, like, two daughter storyline here, but we only care about one? It's really weird how they do that. Like, I do love spoilers. Yeah, I do love the idea of the twist where like the other daughter dies than the one they asked for. That's a cool twist, but it's it's executed well. They didn't earn it. Yeah, and and, uh, like you said, Edgar, I like the first parts of this movie. Seeing the backstory with the wife was kind of interesting. Um, it kind of reminded me of the first. It, this movie just it's so much trying to be the first movie for better and for worse at times. Um, but yeah, this whole first act, which is kind of like a prologue to the wife and the disaster in Haiti, was kind of interesting. Um, the whole kidnapping elements. I'm like, okay, like you said, I had big prisoner vibes. Prisoners were my favorite movies, and seeing the families like come to conflict because their uh, beliefs are different, and their daughters are both taken like. What can we mine from this? But the movie doesn't really give us anything. The execution is terrible. Um, it's, a, it's a very cookie cutter. It's very simple. It doesn't really like delving into that nuance that the first movie and the third movie had about like how people are dealing with this situation. It's, it's very like, shit gets bad. I got to figure it out. 
And then at the end, we perform the exorcist. Like it's very cookie cutter, basic storytelling that just failed at every level. And then the last act, like we all said, it's the worst part of the movie because we don't care up to this point. We don't care about the priest. We don't have that connection to the daughter or the father. Like we get it. They have a father-daughter relationship. It's it's there, but <clears throat> we don't really feel the meaning behind it because again, we didn't get a lot of that back and forth between the father and the daughter throughout the movie to care. Um, yeah. And then the whole last uh, CGI fest of an actress just did not work for me. And it's funny because, you know, the studio kind of mandated that they do that, you know, big actress thing in Actress 3. Like, I think uh, William Friedkin or whatever. No, uh, um, Peter Blatty. William Peter Blatty. William Peter Blatty. Um, he didn't want to do that whole over-the-top thing in the third movie. But it worked because we carried up to that point and then... One of my favorite lines from Exorcist 3 is like when you get the sliver of Damien, he's like, please kill me. Like it, it's it's really interesting. And we care up to that point, even if it's super like crazy and we see the pits of hell. Um, but in this movie, I just did not care anything about like what was happening here. It was very over the top. I kind of lost interest at that point. Yeah. One last thing before we move on. Something that just pissed me off on a superficial level. During the marketing for this movie, none of the trailers appealed to me. They were really like basic, which I mean, they lived up to the movie. But like the only thing that I found interesting about the marketing were those shots in the trailer, the black and white photos. And I thought that was going to have a something to like, was going to have like some kind of role in the movie, especially because uh, Leslie's character is like a photographer. So I'm like, oh, maybe this will lead to some cool sequences or something. Nothing, not even in the movie. <laughs> I actually I, I actually dug the trailer. I mean at least the score of the trailer really got me interested um in actually seeing yeah. this movie. But yeah. One more thing about Believer is uh I also went to Halloween Horror Nights this month with Edgar. Hmm. And that house is like ten times better than the actual movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. Because it doesn't and... really follow the movie as much. <laughs> And for what is worse, I think this movie is kind of, sort of, well-directed. I, I think David Gordon Green is a really good director. He's just, like, I, I don't want to say that he needs to stop writing his own stuff, but, like, he needs to have other people, like, consult with him. And what, has he, <laughs> what has he done um, prior to the Halloween franchise and this franchise? Um, I mean, I guess Pineapple Express. Has he done anything? Oh, that but was I mean, him? Yeah. Um, what was Why do I think say? Seth Rogen directed Pineapple Express? <laughs> um, what else? Um, oh, like did, something. Um, There's Washington, which is like really critically acclaimed uh, yeah. indie. Okay. And even though this is relatively new, and this is written by um, David McBride too, Righteous Gemstones on HBO Max fucking rules. It's really good. It's really well written. It's really good directed. So again, the guy is talented. It's just. He also did Stronger with uh, Jay Gyllenhaal. Oh, I fucking love Stronger. Yeah. Oh, I love Stronger. One of the best films of 2018 or 2017, whenever it came out. Um, that was great. That was really good. Um, because, yeah, uh, you know, this this franchise, buying this the rights to this franchise cost them $400 million. Are they going to do a sequel to this? Is there anything? That bots office, I don't know. <laughs> Did they just sink their money into just nothing? Halloween Horror Nights? Mm. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I hope 
better than sequels are better, but I don't believe it. Yeah. I mean, if they give us a good detective storyline in a in a future movie, like just follow the blueprint from Exorcist Three. It's right there. It's- I mean, we know David Gordon Green can fucking crush a horror movie. Halloween twenty eighteen is one of my favorites in recent years, and I just want that level of quality back here. But I don't. I don't Not great. It. Not great. <laughs> We talked about this. That, it's not that one scene doesn't make the movie bad, Evan. It's very, it's very. I don't know. It, it, you're like, you're like Nathan with Babylon with the elephant scene. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Nathan's been on record and says he likes Babylon for the most part. But mm-hmm. I, uh, no, Halloween 2018 just never really done it for me. Outside of like, there's that one sequence where he's going like from house to house, which is fantastic. Um, but the third act doesn't really do it for me. The, the, I love that movie. Still, the my family dynamics, movie. the family dynamics aren't great. Like, if we're talking to modern horror movies, this isn't even in the top thirty. Uh, I disagree. <laughs> not even close. Uh, but okay. <laughs> do we want to? I did have a couple. Do we want to uh, segue to Halloween real quick? Sure. Sure. Okay. Um, I finally watched. Uh, Halloween 2, like the original Halloween 2. Um, I need to watch these. I've never watched any of the Halloween sequels, the OG sequels. Yeah. It's really good. I was surprised by how good it is. It's more of an extension on the original Halloween, but that uh, same mood, that same atmosphere is still there. It's shot really well. And Um, Jimmy Curtis is like, she's trying to sidetrack. She's like in a bit like kills where she's in a hospital (laughs) the whole time. Until it third act, Oof. but I still think it's really good. I think, uh, um, yeah, it just it's it's solid sequel. Do we get Michael Myers driving in a car again, like the first movie? I don't remember Edgar. Oh. <laughs> Do you know? I don't know. All I know, what I remember, is a lot of people comparing Halloween two to Halloween Kills in the sense that they're like more. Both of them are more like straight slashers, but I haven't seen yeah. Halloween two in a while. Um, and, uh, the store what? is also really interesting. It's a great little twist on the original store, but it's like instead of relying on piano, it relies more on synth, which is really cool. Did Carpenter um, come back for it? Yeah, he did the store for all three of the sequels, like the originals. Okay. And yeah, speaking of that, I also watched uh, Halloween Three, Season of the Witch for the first time, and, and that <laughs> that's a really fascinating movie. It's I I loved it. It's obviously deviates from michael myers and haddonfield and it's a very much like a really good alien invasion movie um and the atmosphere is incredible uh it's from a first time director which is really impressive um i forget his name uh what's the name tommy lee wallace really great direction directorial uh effort and the two leads are really good, um, really good performances. The store once again really interesting, and that that ending is just a lot of very tense and very well done. Yeah, I hear a lot of people like uh, you know Perry Nemiroff. Um, she that's her favorite Halloween movie, uh, Season of the Witch. So I've been meaning to watch it for a long time, but um, glad you liked it. 
Yeah, it, it rolls. Have you seen it, Edward? And then, what, Season of the Witch? Yeah. Not in a bit, yeah. but um, but I, I, I think I remember more like the visuals than the, what actually happens in the movie. Like, just those masks are just very iconic now for the franchise. Yeah, so. and the commercial is really, really fun. Yeah, the commercial, like the, the masks, like melting. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. pretty cool. And what what other John Carpenter movie do you watch? Oh, uh, give me one second. Segway. Uh, you saw the thing. I watched the thing for the first time. Um, I know, first time. I've been waiting and popping that 4K. Let's which go! I will say that 4K disc is fucking stunning. One of the best 4Ks I've seen. Um, the colors of this movie are so cool. Um, and yeah, it's, I mean, what more is there to say? It's one of the best horror films ever created. It's my favorite horror film of all time. It's excellent. It's brilliant. What a fantastic cast of characters. What a horrific creature design. What great practical effects. The mystery is exciting. You never really know what's going on. It's a great psychological, like torture and drama because you don't know who to trust. Um, and it's just, it's so creepy. Like that whole dog thing in the, in the dog kettle with the alien. Oh my, going my on. God. The first like 20 minutes or first like five minutes of like the helicopter chasing the dog is so, so cool. And it's so like the tension is crazy there. Right. Yeah. You don't know what the fuck's going on. Then it like obviously <laughs> evolves into, oh shit, this dog is the fucking alien. Yeah. And that scene in the kennel, like the dog kennel is horrifying. And the visuals in this are like so gross and nasty and like really cool. It's all practical effects, which is awesome. I just love John Carpenter for doing that. This movie it's, is it's fucking brilliant. awesome. It's brilliant. One of my other favorite scenes is when when they're all on the couch and they're doing the blood tests, and it's oh like, my god, oh god, yes. <laughs> <laughs> this so like this good. one of those movies like I, I watched recently, like Alien, a couple years ago, where like. Yeah. You could see the influences the influence this movie has across the whole industry afterwards. Yeah. Like it's one of those movies. Yeah, I couldn't agree it's more. Yeah. 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 You can it's, it's one of the best, like also some great sci-fi elements with like uh the way they deal with like how the alien got there. Because a lot of modern sci-fi films fall into the trap of over explaining everything. This one is just it literally drops you right into it. Um and it's up mm-hmm. to the audience to kind of piece together what's really going on. It really puts you into the shoes of, um, you know, Kurt Russell in this situation, trying to decipher what's going on. What are the weaknesses here? How do I deal with everything? And um, it, it's just so exciting. And again, I can't get over the cast. Like this movie lives. Oh my God. Yeah. I Kurt Russell, Keith David, Wilford Brimley. Um, all of them are so good. So fucking good. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, uh, Josh, th- that ending, th- that that final scene, brilliant, really, really powerful. <laughs> I did. It's yeah, it got me. Um, just I can't really say more about this movie. It's and fantastic. The score, just like it's beating. Oh, yes. I, can, like, I can hear the score just thinking about that scene. Where it's just like mm-hmm. this dreadful, like yeah, we don't know what's going to happen, and then it just cuts there. Awesome, awesome love awesome. it. Yeah. 
Um, what else you got? Yeah, John Carpenter is just like such a cool motherfucker. <laughs> He's such a cool director, <laughs> and I love him so much. What else? What else you got? What, what do we have next? Edgar, you go. Uh, in terms of horror, I saw Cobweb. Finally. Ooh, uh, nice. I don't know. Three's Cobweb. Yeah, 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 I don't love this movie, but I really like the concept. I really like the twist yeah. that it goes for. I, again, even though I don't love this movie, I feel like if they would have waited to give it a better release date, this movie would have played. It should really have released well in September. Would have been would have in September. Yeah, it would have done really well. Like, again, I don't want to spoil too much, but like, don't say anything. Is no, the this is one of those movies that, where like you want to don't blind. Yeah, I'm just gonna say, is the entity practical of CGI? Because sometimes I couldn't tell. I think both. It's a really cool design, it but it's a great design. Yeah, yeah. but I think I'd yeah. I'd probably say like some shots are practical, some shots are yeah. Cool. So this and, came out uh, in the summertime. Came out in I think July or August or something. Yeah, I remember it because it came out like around Barbie and Oppenheimer. Yeah, so. it was the same day actually. I think it was the same day as uh, Barbenheimer, which is crazy. Yeah, let me remind. Why would you put that down then and not like spooky season? Yeah, and then uh, Woody Norman, great child right, actor. Yeah. Uh, that that last scene, the very last scene, is really eerie. Like it's very creepy. Um, Anthony Starr and uh, what's her Lizzie face? Uh, Lucy Kaplan, pretty good. Uh, Homelander's in this. He is. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I think you're I gonna see... really dig it. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it could go either way with you, because <laughs> it's, it's very much in the line of like Mudnet or Megan or Orphan, like those kind of like crazy Barbarian. horror movies. I yeah. love those movies. I still haven't seen Orphan. I still need to watch Orphan. Um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, but the atmosphere is great. The cinematography, like, there's some great shots in this too. Okay. Yeah. Is this on the is this on you know there's a rent cool. this? What, I mean it's on Hulu cool. now, yeah. Oh sweet. And I also watched Totally Killer on Prime. It's fine. It's whatever. I, it's a fun time travel I, horror slasher. I've been meaning to watch this. I like uh Kieran Shripka Schnipka. Yeah. I'm butchering her it, last name. It's very uh happy death day coded, which is right up my alley. Yeah. So it, you're gonna that. love this movie. Yeah. <laughs> you're definitely gonna love it. I this. love Happy Death Day. Um Fuck is, is it <laughs> Uh, I do. Wait, you do? I, thought I you were do. Oh, I'm not joking. Okay. I'm serious. He's uh, just like you. Do I do it? Happy birthday to you, also. Uh, it's not as great, but I still had fun with it. Yeah. Um, I, I'll never forget. Oh, I used so I used my uh movie pass to see Happy Death Day one back in <laughs> <Yep>. the day. <laughs> I, I think uh, Jester Roth and Happy Death Day is like one of the greatest uh like horror comedy performances ever. Like she's so good yes. in that movie. Uh, yeah, she's great. Uh, this this is Christopher Landon, right? Um, no, I don't think so. The director, I'm pretty sure. No, it's uh, it's a... directed these movies. Where, where is oh, Happy Death Day? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Happy Death totally Day is Christopher Landon. Yeah. Oh, sorry, not, not totally killer. Um, but yeah, uh, he he's also Which doing I, something else. I know. I'm so excited for him doing the Scream Seven. That's Scream Seven. That's what it was. Yeah. Um. Which I'm, I'm still nervous. I'm like, because of all this sack stuff, I'm like, if they, there's no way to do Scream 7 without Jenna Ortega. Hopefully that's just uh, BS. That'd be weird. I think, yeah. I think she already said she's committed to it, so we'll see. Yeah. 
But she's supposed yeah. to be doing a lot of movies next year. Or, you know, Beetlejuice. she was set to do. Never hear Strike Ends. Yeah. And um, uh, what else? Uh, well, you can go check our commentary for The Mist, but Evan watched The oh, Mist yeah. for the first time. Great! What a fun ride! I, I was so... Uh, I don't know what the word for it. I was so into it. I, I was so invested in what was going I'm on. I'm sad I couldn't make I'm, that one work because I wanted to watch that. Yeah, it, it's one of those movies where it's like, if I was in their shoes, man, man, they would hate me. They would hate <laughs> me. Because I, I, I would have killed a lot of these people in this movie. Um, these people are either too crazy or too nice. And I'm right down the middle. I, I would have taught these people a lesson. Either way, that being said, uh, Thomas Jane was great. Um, Toby the Jones, creature, the goat. Toby Jones, the goat. The goat. He's the best scene in this movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was great. Uh, you know, this movie is such a great, outside of it just being a good horror movie, it's a great experiment. Not experiment, just uh, a good experience to see how, like, social pressures really get to a group of people in different ways in a very claustrophobic environment um and see how their fears really embolden them to do these crazy or is it like it sounds very much in the vein of the thing also pretty much um in the sense that like these regular people are facing off against an unknown entity and it causes them to turn their backs on people they wouldn't really do so in a normal situation or just yeah it's it really breaks up and creates a lot of different relationships it's very um, lovecraftian too yes yes big time a lot of lovecraftian elements in the themes it's here. a stephen king adaptation right mm-hmm. yep yeah. um and man one of the best endings i've ever seen uh it really shook me i was really surprised it went there um but good you know very memorable yeah, and I don't know if you want to talk about uh, Five Nights at Freddy's, but it was a movie. It was a movie. Let's do that. Uh, this is a movie based off a popular IP, uh, which makes sense why it's PG-13, why it was so successful, at least opening weekend-wise. Um, hell, it, it still is successful. It, it dropped like 75% this weekend, but like on a $20 million budget, very, very successful. I already made $200 million worldwide. It did? Exactly. That's crazy. Uh, Close to it, yeah. Um, So, but, you know, storytelling-wise, it's very weird. I I don't want to get into spoilers, um, but, like, the choices they decided to make for the main character, Josh Hutcherson, who was very solid. I like Josh in this movie. He's good. So was his daughter. Um, But the uh, storytelling choices for why we should care about him and his trauma, it is very repetitive and not very interesting. It, I compared this movie, oddly enough, to Meg 2. Let me cook. <laughs> let, let me cook. Where I went in to go see the Meg 2 to see some sharks, to see some Megs. And I probably got the Megs. Um, but in this movie, I come, I'm anticipating some good, horrific animatronic kills, some animatronic, you know, horror elements. And it's not enough for me. It, it was very uh, sporadic. And what they do decide to focus on is just very not compelling in the slightest. Um, and then this whole, like, mysterious element to it is very childish. It's very predictable. It's very, um, 
I don't know how to say. It. I was I predicted a lot of the things that were going to happen in this movie. Yeah. Um, and uh, in regards to the mystery, this is what I hate about certain mysteries. It's like they withhold a lot of stuff from the audience. Literally, a character said in this movie, "I can't tell you," or "I couldn't tell you because." BS. Like it, yes. it was just to not tell us until the very end to give us a good or attempt to give us a good surprise I'm... ending climax exactly. But by then we don't care. A and B, we saw it coming. There, there was nothing. Yeah. At least if you're above the age of six, you can see a lot of the things coming. Um, and there is certain animatronic stuff that's pretty fun. I can see a lot of the kids having fun with certain animatronic kills and stuff but again because it's pg-13 it kind of loses some of the impact but i also get why it has to be pg-13 because the franchise is very pg-13 um so yeah even though like we say that the franchise is very pg-13 but i think like at its core the idea of what is five nights at freddy's i think the concept itself is really fucking dark when you actually like start thinking about it is like Okay, I don't know how kids are into this, but cool, good for them. Um, it's weird because apparently, because I did some research, a lot of my sixth graders were very excited. I made some research too. <laughs> a lot of some sixth graders of mine, I teach sixth grade, and they were very excited to see this movie. A lot of them did end up seeing this movie with their parents, and um, they I've, I've seen the game a couple of times, and there's even a lot of like young books about Five Nights yes. at Freddy's. So it's See like them at Target. <laughs> So there's a lot of like young middle-aged uh you know content and again that's why it made sense for this to be pg-13 but i don't think it uses that rating to the best of its ability i think mm-hmm. megan is a very solid pg-13 movie that managed to be very like spooky but also very like fun. It, it, it fun and this movie it kind of lacked that fun element for some reason they, they wanted it to be very psychologically yeah. deep and traumatic and dark and i'm like hey yo we're really talking about this subject matter in a five days to freddy's movie huh it it was very weird yeah and then um also like how do you waste matthew lillard so badly like he like does the one scene that he does get it at the end it's him doing his usual shtick which is fun but at the same time it's like i don't really care so um but yeah, right. like, it, it, this that and uh, I was only hearing the stream audio, like the music, not you guys. I was really confused for a second. Oh wow! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's a movie. Five Nights at Freddy's. Yeah, Five Nights at Freddy's. Yep, it happened. Um, I'll probably watch it on Peacock eventually. I mean, that's how. Uh, if you want to check out my commentary, I do with Nathan. For those watching, uh, we just we just watched it on Peacock and. Uh, I think I would have had I had more fun watching it with Nathan, and I think I would have been very upset if I went to the theater and watched it, especially with a group of young kids talking off about it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. yeah. And uh, what right. else? I mean, I I guess for me, lastly, like I've been binging a few um, Alfred Hitchcock movies, and like the Ooh. highlight for me, like even though it's such a cliche cycle, it's just so fucking good. It's so well it's incredible. It's a, yeah. it's a classic for a reason. So yeah, the store, the shower scene, the, just the, the, the intro. Scene. Oh my god, <laughs> the, the twist, the the 
yeah, not only the twist, but like how the movie shifts halfway through is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like that man is a legend for a reason. If even if he wasn't a good person, <laughs> As, I'd probably say Rear Window is still my favorite Hitchcock that I've seen. David and I've only seen my two mm-hmm. or three, but <laughs> Rear Window is one of my favorite movies of all time. Top yeah. ten. It's it's I incredible. Really love But moving on, I don't know if you guys. Want but to what other ones did you watch? Did you just watch Psycho? Uh, I watched Psycho. I watched The Birds. I watched uh, Vertigo oh. for the first time. Uh, Rear Window. The Birds was in- the most interesting one out of the bunch, even though it's- it was my least favorite. Um, mostly because like you can tell that he was trying to make like his own version of a monster movie, and it's mm. just like interesting to see like what he would consider a monster movie in his time. Um, I just didn't really like. I don't know connect with the characters i guess um and i'm not the type of person that i'm like oh the effects are dated of course they're dated it's an old movie but like um there's some really cool sequences with the birds especially like in the third act like the sound design like everything is just really creepy like i don't know how you make birds creepy but he made it he made them look creepy um uh, but yeah, but, yeah. That's that's about it for me for that. And, that's cool. Uh, I've always wanted to seen, watch the bird. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. I also haven't and seen for, Vertigo. How was that was Vertigo? I don't know what I was I was expecting from Vertigo because I didn't. I actually didn't know anything about it. I, that was my first time watching yeah. it, and like discovering that this movie was kind of a twisted romance was like very like it kind of took me like back a little bit kind of t- took cool. a few minutes to adjust to the tone of the movie but um it's really good um i know a lot of people consider like me to be like the best uh hitchcock movie um i i would probably still go rear window or psycho at least of the ones that i've seen so far um but vertical the ending of that movie is just masterful i'm not gonna spoil it but yeah great i have the 4k of vertigo i, I want to watch it soon all right. Good. Um, um, I watched some. I didn't watch like a ton of horror movies, but I did watch a classic uh, spooky adventure movie uh, earlier this month. I saw The Goonies for the first time. Oh, first time. Wow. First time. And it was great. I had a very great time today. I like the cast of kids, seeing um, Ki Hoi Kwan as a kid in this movie. It was, it was very awesome. Uh, he, he's. The best character in the movie too. I, I can kind of relate to his like his nerdy uh, characteristics and um, his relationship with his friends here. But overall, I, I thought it was a very fun adventure. Um, again, I like the kids. It had kind of those um, you know those young adult vibes, um, but it managed to craft a very compelling like family friendship uh, story at the same time. Um, and you know the last scene with like the beautiful sunset and the pirate ship. It's just it's very good. I had a very fun time it's watching classic. these movies. Yeah, it's a classic. Yeah, I, I think it's been years since I've seen it. I saw it like back um, when I was uh, probably in elementary school that that era. Um, wow. But I need really need to watch it again. It, it's it's great. It's really good. It, it's very emotional. It has like those classic '80s vibes to it. Um, yeah, I can see why this is such a classic. You got Kiki Wait One as Data. 
Classic yeah, he's character. he's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, let me get into some I watched. Uh, first, um, what was it? I did rewatch of Midnight Mass, and Ooh. that's just <laughs> it's one. Of, it's an all timer for me. It seems like every time I watch it, it grows up like my finding list. And how many times I have think you seen it? it? Is that my third time? Third watch? Jeez. Um, yeah, it's. I think it might be his best. Um, I still think Hill House is my favorite. Uh, my finding didn't work. Um, because it's it's so personal. Uh, but Midnight Mass is just probably his best structured work. I just love the way that show reveals itself. Like slowly over the course of the series, and I think Hamish Leadwaiter is one of the best performances in TV I'd ever. He's incredible in that. In that show. Where's he been? Where's he been? Right. So <laughs> we need him back. <laughs> um, Samantha Sloyan also as Beth Keen, uh, iconic, incredible performance. Yeah, like one you love to hate. Uh, then I mean, it's my fun. All of his performances he gets are incredible. Um. That's some of the best writing I've seen in the genre uh, project. It's such a great twist on a vampire story. And really in that to Faith is really interesting. And I think he executed it well, like, incredibly. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's one of the favorite series of all time, I'd probably say. Wow. High praise from Josh. Uh, yeah, <laughs> this is Midnight Mass. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I think it's probably my second favorite Flanagan as well. I think I go Hill House, Mass. It's a tie between Usher and Blind Manor. And then uh, I've not seen Midnight Club. Um, I guess we could, uh, yeah. (laughs) I guess we could transfer into Fall of the House of Usher since uh, I think we all watched that. I finished it. You guys actually finished the TV show. Good job, Ed. That's what Flanagan does. Um, Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, um, I I had a blast with the fall of the House of Usher. I didn't know what I was expecting. You know, having watched the trailers, I was like, oh, in uh, it's one of my favorite Edgar Allan Poe, like you know, the Raven. One of my favorite Edgar Allan Poe stories. So, like, just when I read it in high school, I was like, holy shit! Like, this was impactful for me. It, it's horrific. It's eerie. It's super super dark, um, and it always stuck with me. Yeah, it's very effective how this show is structured because, like, right from oh, the yeah. get go, the the show basically tells you this is how it's gonna end, and now you're gonna see how it's going to unfold to get to that point. And it's and usually what happens with either movies or TV shows that do that is like they kind of lose your interest maybe halfway through, or it kind of becomes a little bit of a gimmick. But like Flanagan again with his writing and the way that he shot scenes is like so engaging. Way, he's so such dramatic. a master in establishing structure and like especially going between time periods like yeah. oculus hail house uh now this like he's he's so good doing that yeah. yeah the way he manages time and like kind of creating like these building blocks for why these things are happening the mystery behind it all is very interesting this is one of his more interesting mysteries i think it's his most ambitious yeah. so far Ooh. Those ambitious uh, series, at least. I, I could, I could kind of agree with that because, I mean, like, it it goes 
all over the place. I think this is ensemble yet. It like mm -hmm. so many locations. Um, so many like it's probably his goriest show yet. Goriest project yeah. probably. Um, and just yeah. the story of it all, like focusing each episode on this the member the of the family's death is really smart. Yeah, and that, that, that it, like the yeah. ending of each episode hitting every single time. Where it's the death in the fucking title drop. Like, it's so cool. It's very weird. And this is something that could have gotten old fast. Where it's like, oh, another person yeah. dies. Oh, another death. But I was so interested every step of the way. I did because not expect the, this anthology element here. The conversation between uh, Roderick and I forget the character's name, but Carl Lumbly, like, keep, they, when they keep cutting to that, you, you're like, so compelled and interested to find out like what what's going on here yeah it, it, it's it's very genius where it's just like it's straight from the first episode when you when they're talking you see the crack in the doorway it's just there's certain elements in the setting that are like oh this is going to be very scary or ominous and it's just going to build from episode to episode getting teases of how these people have died each step of the way um and like you said the cast was fantastic uh, I was so, you know, spoilers for the House of Usher, uh, spoilers for the House of Usher, because I got to talk about how I was so sad when, uh, what's her name? Um, what's, what's the name of Flanagan's wife? Uh, oh, Kate Siegel, when Kate she was one of the first to go. Why? <laughs> yeah. Don't do that to me. <laughs> I was so upset. She's so good every time, man. She's, She's one of the so best. so fucking great. Um, and oh, Rahul and Cooley is, too, also great. This is arguably his funniest show to date, by the way. Oh yeah, um, totally. Which which made for a great mix of like horror and comedy that I just did not expect. Yeah. Um, like, character is hilarious. Kate's character was hilarious. It's hilarious from a succession standpoint. Where like exactly, yeah. it's all, very like succession vibes. They're all assholes, and the way they interact with other people below them is very funny and horrific at times. Yeah. I think my favorite death is the end of episode two. Spoilers with uh, uh, Prospero. That ugh, the way it's done, the needle drop of uh, Closer by Nine Inch Nails, and like the, oh my the acid rain is just—it's one of the best things my phone has done. Like speaking, like horror wise. I personally liked uh, Raul's death because oh my god, that that was just seeing the the cat in the wall, yeah. the yellow eyes and the shadows. I'm like, stop it! I'm out! Stop it! Like that was mm -hmm. very eerie to me. Just hearing the scratches in the walls and his manic like craziness towards the end of the show or towards the end of the episode was very uh, good. Every death has lived their own highlights. Like uh, for example, um, um. Victorian, Victoria, Victoria. I don't know, remember her name. Vic, um, Victorian, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The one that has yeah. the girlfriend. Um, that is, yeah, yeah. That entire sequence yeah. at the end with like her and the dad is just like oh. so like emotionally it's, draining. It's such a good adaptation of the Telltale Heart too. Yeah, like, and also like also uh, Samantha Sloyan's death with the mirrors. Oh, such a oh. good visual. Yeah, um, the green of that room too. Yeah, the green, and then um, not necessarily like uh, one of the children's deaths, but um, what's his face? Um, the CEO with the in the wall in the bricks. That entire sequence, like the flashback episode, it was so well done. Oh like, yeah, yeah. Like how throughout the show, it keeps cutting back to that the wall, gesture. and you're like, yeah, like you just keep wondering, like, okay, what what is this about? And you actually find mm -hmm. out what it is, and it's just. 
a really good yeah. payoff. That was amazing. The the, the the actress that played young Madeline. Oh my oh, god! Oh yeah, she was, she was great. She was so 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 good. Um, Henry um, Thomas is yeah. deaf. The the pendulum. Woo! <laughs> Carla Janino, uh, I think this is how we pronounce the name. Like the as the demon is one of her best performances. The, the raven. So her, her being the physical personification of the raven was yeah. so genius. It was a stroke of genius because in the in the short story, it's like the raven is this idea, and then you actually see the raven. And it's very much like okay, this is the entity of darkness, kind of like in his mind. Um, but to actually see it throughout time, and then she's kind of like this uh, comeuppance kind of entity um, who, you know, very ominous and very uh, just treacherous, but not super treacherous where, like, you know, one of my favorite scenes was when she's talking to uh, Mark Hamill's art. I think his name is Arthur. Mark oh, Hamill in this is so good. He's so good. <laughs> he's so good. And then when he when she's talking to him, it's like he, she's giving him the whole picture and the deal. The, the like, sympathy, the empathy yeah. of her character, like to a specific character, is when that scene between her and Taylor Turin, the, the daughter, the granddaughter. Oh, I, I hate Oh my it. god, on the bed. Oh, it's so like on oh, the heart. She was like, you know, I told them with the deal, like it was going to be everybody, every descendant. Yeah. I'm like, Mike Sandigan, don't you fucking dare. <laughs> Don't you dare do this. But yeah, she was amazing too. I loved her in yeah, Dr. So glad to see her bad from Dr. Sweet. Yeah. I'm yeah. so happy that Mark Hamill is going to come back with Flanagan for the life of Chuck. Oh, yes. They're just, yes. They just make such a good pairing. Flanagan doing a drama. I'm very excited to see how that works. Very excited. Uh, very excited to see Andy drama. Know, that transition. Yeah. But a, a lot of his shows are, you know, they're, they're horror dramas, especially like you mentioned. Midnight Mass, Midnight I think, Night. is more of a drama than. Exactly. Uh, yeah honestly for sure um but i think like the special part of usher is like how it blends so many of edgar Allan poe's stories together into one cohesive narrative i think it's he does that really well here something he did also in blind manner with uh, henry james's work um it's just like with each episode focusing on one short story or one story but how all weaves together to like for for the adaptation of the raven basically like it's so smart super smart is Mike Flanagan the most successful filmmaker at, ad at adapting other people's works yeah. for TV or film? I think he's one of my favorite storytellers of all time. I think he's a great when you do adapter. When you do the caveat of adapting other people's work, I mean... First, I, I think of Denis Villeneuve off the top. Like he, he does a lot of short stories, Ar Arrival, yeah. Dune... Uh, Blade yeah. Runner, technically, um, but yeah, you're, I, I see what you're saying here. Like, I mean, he's everything he's done, that. most of the things he's done is adapting, and he yeah. is so great at it. He he did great. the impossible yeah. with like a lot of people who read Gerald's Game said like that book is impossible to adapt, and he did, and he made it a great movie. Mm -hmm. uh, I still need to see that yeah. one. Um, it's so good. And then yeah, Doctor Sleep, uh, like. Uh, yeah. yeah, Doctor Sleep in itself was like a Herculean effort where, you know, you're doing a sequel to one of the most classic movies of all time. And I think it surpassed you have it. To adapt it too, adapt the book, which is very different than the movie. Yeah. So he he's in Life of Chuck. Is that based off of a book? 
Stephen, Stephen King. King. Yeah. Short story. Oh wow! Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely think he's a master of Stephen King uh, adaptations. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. But yeah, good stuff. This this is definitely one Great of my show. favorite shows of the year. Uh, top ten. Top ten. Mm-hmm. Um. What do I have next? Do you want to do you want to make the shift to festival? I still have a I still have a few spooky seasons to draw. Uh, one second, doing the timestamp. While you look for that, I I'll go real quick. Um, yeah. I saw this movie, The Royal Hotel, um, which is, um, have you guys heard of this, The Royal Hotel? Yeah, we it's... watched it together actually. Yeah. yeah. What? Oh wow. Um, that's cool. Um. Yeah, kind of falls into the category of thrillers, so yeah. Yeah, it kind of falls into that horror category. This was very surprising to me. I had no idea this movie existed besides seeing the poster of Jessica Henwick and Julia Garner, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go see it. I it got some tiff buzz, which is why. Okay. Um, Also, Kitty Green, uh, her first movie was The Assistant, which I really liked a lot. Oh, that's a movie I always. I've always meant to watch that. That's still on Hulu, I hope. Um, I think so. I've been meaning to watch that ever since it, uh, I missed it in theaters. Um, I'll, I'll always be pissed about that because it came to Cincinnati for like a week and then I tried to go see it and it disappeared. Um, anyways, mm-hmm. um, I had a very good time with Royal Hotel. This was one of the more uh, eerie movies. I think eerie is a good word for it because it's yeah. it's a captivating story that's not full of that's not full of a lot of like horror you know jump scares or anything like that. very suspenseful it's, very like yeah. the atmosphere is there for sure exactly the eerie atmosphere suspenseful atmosphere around like these you know gender dynamics and like the creepy nature of gender dynamics built around this thriller of being in an unknown environment um it's very uncomfortable it's very unnerving Might and have it's one like, of the best villains of the year in dolly Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. It's all these very ew and uncomfortable feelings that you have all throughout the movie and that you just never really know how to peg certain characters. Well, certain characters that you know are super creeps. But yeah. um overall it's just it's a very unnerving film. And I haven't felt that way about a film in a long time where I'm just watching mm-hmm. it like scrunched up in my seat, like what's <laughs> going to happen? It's like, is anything going to happen? But I have a feeling something's going. It was just a, a lot of like red flags all, yeah. all throughout this movie. Jessica the direction is, is so good too. It's probably oh, yeah. the worst friend in a movie that I've seen in a while. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's so interesting where it's a very human movie in a sense that yeah. like, uh, Jessica Henwick and Julie Garner's relationship, while I laugh that you said like she's a horrible friend, I could understand why they're friends. I can understand where she's coming from to a degree. Because um, there are people like this in the world who are just yeah. very, you know, um, protective of their friends, but also, uh, I don't know how to describe it, but just very willing, I don't know, trusting, I don't know. But she's not. She's not really trusting, but she's just. She's just more comfortable in this crazy situation than Julie Garner. Hopefully Garland. naive, maybe. Yeah, hopefully naive. That's a good word for it. Hopefully naive. Um, where I can't fully blame her for a lot of the decisions she makes. Um, but yeah, it, it's a very creepy movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
also nice seeing the guy from Worst Person in the World show up again. The the fling or the Oh really? Wait, which one which one was he? Not um, uh Anders Danielson Lee, but the other guy. He was the the one that had a thing with uh what's his phrase? Uh Julia Garner. Julia Garner. Yeah. Oh wow, I didn't even connect that. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um I have a few other spooky movies that I need to watch or I need to talk about. Um I watched Sleeping Hollow for the first time. Sleeping Hollow. Oh. Tim Burton's Sleepy Hollow. Oh, okay, okay. Sleepy Hollow, yeah. Yeah. Um Oh I think Hollow. it's yeah. the story is good. I've never seen uh, it. Uh with Johnny Depp and uh Tristan Ritchie. I think the the story is good. The atmosphere and the, the vibes are great. The visuals are incredible. I really love the look of this movie. Um, here's one problem, though. Uh, they, they didn't do how much of a manslet Ichabod Crane is justice. Have you watched the original cartoon? <laughs> that that dude's just all over the place. <laughs> and they don't, they don't do that here. He's more of an endearing character, which I don't love. But everything else about everything else about the movie is very good. The visuals again are incredible, and the the spooky vibes are there for sure. Yeah, I, I have a, I have a huge blind spot when it comes to Tim Burton. I haven't watched a lot of his movies, um, but yeah, this this is what I have to check out. You, you mentioned a cartoon, there a Sleepy Hollow cartoon, The Adventures of Ichabod Crane. Yeah, it's a Disney one from like the fifties, oh. of course. Yeah. It's very demented. <laughs> um, I also another Tim Burton movie. Uh, I watched Edward Scissorhands for the first time. Ooh, hell was that? I thought that would be a Halloweeny movie, but it's more of a Christmas movie. I, I learned to find out yeah. as I watched it. <laughs> um, but it's still re- really good. I love the store. Danny Elfman's store in this movie is incredible. Um, it's just a very good fish out of the water story. And the chemistry between Johnny Depp and uh, Winona Ryder is very strong here. Um, I love their dynamic a lot. And this, again, the color palette of this movie is incredible. I love the different colors going on here. And the, the set you, design. What were you have you seen a Sweeney Todd? I have not. I was, done a while. I was debating between uh, this and Sweeney Todd. I probably should have went. Sweeney Todd yeah. Halloween mood. But... You're you're gonna love Sweeney Todd. Yeah. So. yeah. Um, I'm gonna watch that soon for sure. But yeah, Edward Scissorhands, it's a classic. Uh, it's it's as good as everyone says it is. I'm still bummed that I missed the school book for that. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. It's probably but one of the that, how many Timber? Yeah. How many? Hey, what, uh, what's your favorite? Yeah. Ooh, honestly, hmm. Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> no, thank you. Uh, <laughs> it's such a cliche, but I really love um, Beetlejuice. Yeah, I think it's probably between Beetlejuice, Winnie Todd, and maybe Sleepy Hollow. Mm-hmm. Although, also the Corpse Sprite is really good. Uh, what else? I haven't seen Edward. I've seen, I've heard good things about that. I've heard good things, yeah. I probably say um, Edward Scissorhands is probably I really love that. That was that was up there. Beetlejuice is watching though. Did Tim Burton direct the Batman eighty nine Batman? Yeah, Batman yeah. eighty nine is great too. 
and Richard. That's not your favorite? Oh, it's, it's up there. I love that. Man. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I also watched uh, Bram, Stoker, or Bram Stoker's Dracula from Francis Ford Coppola. And let me say, this is one of the horniest, craziest movies I've ever seen. Yeah, wow. <laughs> it yeah, is batshit to... crazy. And I love the fuck out of it. I need to see it's this like... movie because I, I love the novel, but I've never seen like this interpretation of it. I heard it's a very yeah. good adaptation. It's just a gothic, bloody masterpiece, honestly. I, I, I think it's crazy, but it all comes together in like a really interesting story. And a very interesting that like it's weird seeing and like finally like a straight adaptation of Dracula like this um after seeing like so many others um it's and it does it like it's crazy like bonders off the wall shit too and Gary Oldman is great when a writer great as well um Keanu Reeves in this movie <laughs> his accent is horrible but I think it adds to I love the it. whole movie of it all I think it adds to who's Keanu movie. in the movie. Is he he's the main a, guy? Is he like the, the visitor? Yeah, essentially. He's uh, yeah. Renfield. Renfield. No, not Renfield. Okay. He's uh, not Renfield. The equivalent of that role. Know. You know, the person yeah. like getting into the castle. Kind yeah, of, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, I've only yeah. ever seen like uh, there's like a uh, Patrick Willems Francis Ford Coppola video, and I've I've seen images and videos of Dracula of this movie Dracula. Um, I think you're like doing crazy for this. Gothic I mean. imagery, like I, I feel like I would really love this. I, I've never gotten around to watch it. Is it super yeah, long? It's like it's like under two hours, I think, maybe two hours. Okay. It's a uh, it's like exactly it's 128 minutes. What? Um, the end of it's all in camera effects, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Like all in camera, no no like CG, which is so incredible. All the sets, production design, costumes, like. It is a lot. It's incredible. This movie is so good, Evan. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You said the so ending is really good, Edgar. I was, I'm just, I was just saying that it's like really like batshit crazy. Like it just goes balls to the mm. walls. <laughs> yeah, I think the the prologue, like the cold open too, is is like yeah. a perfect encapsulation of this movie. It's just crazy, and the score is incredible. And yeah, it's so good. Nice. Um, also, I watched, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre for the first time, the original 70s one. Uh, <laughs> I did not think I would love this movie as much as I do. It is probably one of my favorite horror films ever now. It's just, wow. I think the masterclass intention and atmosphere, and it's just deranged and horrifying. Yeah. And the immersion, it's so immersive, too. Like with the sound design and the camera work, it's its just incredible. It, it's one of those movies that I... Well, it's not necessarily that it scares me, but it just, like, it disgusts me to, to look at it. It's gorgeous. Like, it's really well shot and everything. But, like, just, like, the atmosphere and the kind of visuals, especially towards the last um, act of the movie, it's just very, like... Not even blood, it's just like disgusting. So claustrophobic too. Yeah. And the ending, like the the last shot of the main woman is like such a 
release of Tartharsis than the like the last shot of the the uh, the murderer, the killer, uh, Leatherface. Also, like so weird and fascinating. And yeah, it, it's it's a reason it's a classic. Yeah, I, I need to get around to watching this. This is one of those movies that I never watched because I always heard it was so bloody and crazy. And I was like, okay, this is not for me. But I've been watching a ton of horror films these past couple of years. So I feel like I'll be ready to finally watch this one. Yeah, it's it's good. I was surprised by it for sure. Uh, yeah. Then also, who directed this one, did by the way? Um, uh, who was it? Oh, Toby Hooper, who also did uh, Poltergeist. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Great. Then also just did a rewatch of uh, Last Night in Soho on 4K. Oh. Which is I, I saw that earlier, uh, earlier, not earlier this year, a couple months ago, in fact. Yeah. Great movie. I actually really like it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm serious. Yeah, a lot of people hate it, but I, I have a great time. I, yeah, I'm, I'm a, I'm team Last Night in Soho. I love this movie. Uh, I think we're, definitely we're labels team. a bit in the third act and made some weird choices, but I think the themes are still there. Um, and the, I think it's one of the most stylish movies I've ever seen. Like, it's the soundtrack's incredible. The visuals Sound- are outstanding. <laughs> I love the soundtrack. I love the score. Anya Taylor-Joy is magnificent. Thomas yeah. McKenzie and her, just that slow. It's a great psychological thriller. Yeah. The way they meld, like, the time in the past. And, like, the, we just talked about Royal Hotel and the creepy gender dynamics there. Uh, and last night in Soho, the, the creepy way they're, like, using Anya Taylor-Joy's character. It's very it's very sickening. And um, it, it's, it's a really well-told story. Yeah, it gets a little bit crazy towards the end with the shadows and stuff, but overall, I, I still have a blast with Last Night in Soho whenever mm-hmm. I watch it. It's very hard to take my eyes off of it. Yeah, it's it's up there for me with uh, Ed Wright's best. For sure. Um, uh, That's it for my horror watches, honestly. Um, uh, if you want to still like down the line of like, a side watcher of thrillers, I think we all watched Fair Play this month. Also, I have not seen Fair Play. Actually. You haven't? Okay. No. Um, I've been meaning to. I haven't gotten around watching it. it. It's I I really loved Fair Play. Um, I say it's one of the best like, psychological thrillers I've seen this year, the past few years. Uh, wow. Very, very great uh, debut from Chloe DeMont. Um, Alden Ehrenreich, incredible. <laughs> He's one of the best performances, I think, of this year. Same with uh, Phoebe. Deviner, I think that's how you pronounce her name. Diviner, something like that. Mm. Wait, <laughs> you said you said debut um, for somebody? The director debut, yeah. Oh wow, I didn't know this was her first movie. Okay, cool. Yeah. It's, this is the year of like incredible directorial debuts, honestly. <laughs> Past Life, is Ryan Lane, this. I agree, I agree. Uh, how is Past Life's her first movie? That's insane. Right? That's insane. Uh, but yeah, Fair Play is the tension is really strong. Uh, performances obviously are great. It's has a weird the switch in the third act. I think works for me. I did see it not working for others. Um, it's just a very like switch in the character dynamics. That's I think okay, okay. pulled off pretty well. 
but I did see some others not liking it. I don't know what Adir thinks. But uh, what the twist? Well, not twist, yeah. but like the tone shift. This shift, uh, shift, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I think it works for like the type of story that it's being told in a movie. But I can see why people will be turned off. I, I think this is one of the cases where I don't necessarily think the shift is bad. I think it's going to trigger a lot of people to have a really strong reaction to it, which, when in and of itself, I don't think it's a bad thing. It's just, it depends on the person. Like, if they're, like, not necessarily offended, but, again, like, triggered because of the subject matter, so. Now I'm even more excited to see what's going on here. Yeah, it's a really good movie, Alden Edelreich. It's, uh, it's great, and um, it's probably two of my favorite performances of the year between him and um what's her face um uh phoebe so yeah it's a really good movie one of the better ones from netflix this year <laughs> which we <laughs> all, they don't always make good movies so what other i forget what other netflix movies have even come out this year that's been notable uh was the great man this year without last year that was last year <laughs> <laughs> i never saw it <laughs> Not good, buddy. Um, what else came out from Netflix? Nimona was a highlight for me. Oh, I love Nimona. Yeah. Tech, um, even though I haven't seen it, technically, maybe The Killer. The Killer? Yeah, yeah that, that's um, Netflix for sure. Yeah. There's Netflix. one I saw that we'll talk about in a little bit. Netflix. Um, they cloned Tyrone, also very good. Another uh, fantastic directorial debut. Oh, I need to see that. I need to see that. That's with yeah. the homeboy, Finn. Yeah, John Lloyd, Jamie Foxx, Tiana Paris. Um, Love at, Love at First Sight was that Haley Richardson rom com that yeah. uh, I told you about. That's also Netflix. Did you see that? Still have not seen it. Nope. No, no. Okay. I think you liked it. <laughs> it's not good, but yeah. it's set it up, brain. <laughs> Yeah, I, I've been I've been watching so much anime and stuff that I, I haven't had time to sit down after work and just watch a full movie on the weekday. Fair, so, yeah. but my movie list, even this year, I feel like I'm like missing out on so many movies. I need to really catch up by the end of the year. Yeah, I feel like even though like I've seen a shit ton of movies, I feel like I'm behind compared to last year. <laughs> um, yeah, you're probably at like a hundred by now. <laughs> I because I did Sundance last Jesus year, did Budget last year. I was like, I was really high. Right, I I've only did like in person festivals this year. Edgar was like, I'm so behind. Ninety three, motherfucker. <laughs> Wait, you're ninety three? <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. That's I'm crazy. at like sixty five. I think. It also I'm at the same place, Josh. I'm at like 65, yeah. 66, something like that. It also that. helped because I've seen some movies in advance, like Dream Scenario, which I'll talk about next month. Um. What else? Uh, Saltburn. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm missing yeah. something else. But yeah. Before we get to festival watches, there's a few other like new releases we could talk about. We want to talk about the big one right now. Uh, Taylor Swift. Oh, oh Taylor, Taylor Swift. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> give me a minute. Just give me one second. Okay. Okay. I just um, while he's there, uh, I talked about a little Apple movie I watched, Foreign Sun. Oh, the the sequel to John Carney. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, what was that one movie they did? Uh, Drive Sing it Street? like you stole it. Sing it, Sing Street. Yeah. Yeah. Did you watch this? No, I did not know it was even out. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it was a Sundance movie. Then it, it got released on Apple. I think 
beginning of October and they just September. Fuck theaters, Florida. And yeah, um, it's it's a cute movie. It's a bit half baked. Um, doesn't really doesn't really uh like shows about like pushes a lot of ideas in. Doesn't really fill on all of them. Um, it's very good like mother son movie. Uh, it does that aspect really well. Um. The music is music's fine. Not as good as Scene Street. Not as good as Scene Street. We'll say that. <laughs> um, but I love John Carney, so I think the director effort's still there. And uh, <laughs> Joseph Gordon-Levitt is weird in this movie. It's a weird role. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's I thought it was pretty solid. Pretty all right. Okay, yeah, I had to check it out. Yeah. Wait, you said Joseph Gordon-Levitt's in this? Yeah, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. He's back. Yeah. I think you'd like it, Evan. Okay, yeah. Have to, have to check it out. As a true Swifty uh, would say, are you ready for it? <laughs> <laughs> I was joking. I didn't watch that freaking concert in theaters. I know yeah. Edgar did. <laughs> I did. I was forced to. Um, oh, forced to. Uh, I mean, I was always going to do, watch it anyway, eventually. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, like, I mean, here's the thing. I'm not a big, like, a big fan of her. I like her music. It's fine. Uh, it's great. But um, it's, 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 it's... You don't got to defend yourself to us. I know, yeah. Uh, it's, it's great. It's great. I love it. I love it. <laughs> like, to me, like, over there. like watching, <laughs> watching that movie, to me, was more like a kind of like realizing like even though i'm not super into her music like kind of it's kind of cool to know that this man's somebody... watching what he says yeah i know from my own house um but <laughs> no it's just like kind of cool to know that you're living in a time right now with where like the greatest like, probably, the biggest ar- pop star of this arguably generation. yeah the biggest yeah of this generation equivalent to somebody like maybe like Michael Jackson, even and even or then, like, uh, or Madonna, yeah, yeah, in their like peak time. Um, but yeah, like the the film itself, it was just like very entertaining, <laughs> very, <laughs> very entertaining to watch. Um, here's this thing. Look, wait. Oh, God. And it lights up, and here's her face. Oh, <laughs> wow. This is from the concert. This is not mine. But anyway, um, it's not mine. It's not mine. It's not mine. <laughs> okay. Um. No, but yeah, like, again, I'm. I don't know, like, what can, like, what the fans wanted in terms of which songs they wanted the film to show because I know they cut a few songs here and there, but, um. For, oh no. <laughs> but like for me, just it was just like I don't know. It was just like entertaining to watch. It also helped that. The showing that I watched it at, like the people weren't like crazy. They they were actually like behaving, <laughs> like good. other than like you know singing along. But like the movie played like lo- uh, loud enough that you couldn't Not really hear any. Yeah, <laughs> no backflips. <laughs> um, like to the point that you couldn't really like hear anybody else like sing. Like I mean, mm. I was with like my girlfriend with Bridget, and like she was singing along, and, and I couldn't even hear her, and I was next to her, <laughs> so I was like, okay, okay. Um, but yeah, like again. It's it's pretty good. Uh, it's te- right now, honestly, technically, still in my top twenty of the year. <laughs> what? So, Jesus! <laughs> what the hell? So yeah, that's, this that's man's like saying, "Oh, it's not my fault." I had to watch this, but <laughs> top twenty. 
Top hey, twenty of good. the year. It's pretty good. Jesus Christ! How many, yeah, what is your top twenty then? What the hell? Do you want me to tell you? <laughs> Out of ninety-two or whatever it was. Top twenty. I'm looking at my top twenty. So right it's now. like it's nineteen. Yeah. Reality. What's that? You've seen it. Yeah. Um, is it not the uh, Sydney Sweeney movie? Sydney Sweeney. Yeah, yeah. on HP, on Max. What's behind um, it? Knock at the cabin. Edwards. That's twenty. Okay. That's number twenty. I mean, how how can you compare 20? narrative features to a concert? I mean, I mean, I, I, it's still a film. It's like documentary concert. Talent. Documentary is a story. <laughs> I mean, if you're talking about concert movies, I uh, I watched um, Stop Making Sense, the, the re-release of uh, the talking Did you watch it twice this week? I watched it once. I was trying to watch it again, but it didn't work out, sadly. Wait, but yeah, it's, it's a masterpiece. Main... It's... Huh? What's that about? What, what band is that? Talking Heads. That's the band. Psycho Talk, killer. Do you not know Talking Heads? Oh. Psycho Killer. Okay, okay. Uh, that, um, Once in a Lifetime, which I remember from the downsizing trailer. <laughs> so I don't play it at every, <laughs> every theater. Every that trailer. Oh my God, I hated that. That was bad. <laughs> that was um, but the, that song is great, though. So, and yeah, it's just it, Jonathan Demi uh, directed it. <clears throat> um, obviously, director of Silence of the Lambs um it's it's i mean it's it, as acclaimed as people say it's fantastic it's uh, the pinnacle of concert films um i like talking heads so obviously i love the music um it's there it's great <laughs> there's not really much more to say about it it's the re the remasters fan gorgeous the visuals are great yeah is it in your top 20 of the year I, I didn't put it on my list because it's not a 2023 movie. I'm just kidding. Um, That's weird. It would be. It would be like top five, but yeah. <laughs> you have to remember, Evan, Josh had like this documentary about audio recording last year on his top 10. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a movie. It counted. It was a fantastic movie. That counts. It's a documentary. That, that, that makes sense. <laughs> What's the difference? <laughs> Documentaries tell a story. They're trying to tell you about something. You're concert still you're singing to us. Kind of story through a concert film. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you're going from state to state? What do you mean? It's only the LA shows, right? They they were going to do Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Like, Even less of a story. Like, it's one show. It's te- <laughs> it does technically tell a story because this is like her. like. It's the era. It's the, the whole yeah, story of the her era story. Yeah, so it's basically telling a story from like when she started to all the way where she is right now. So it does oh. kind of have a little bit of a narrative. Mm. And like movies don't exactly need narratives, Evan. You should know this. I mean, true, true, true. But it's, it's weird to have a concert film. And, okay, you know, I'll, I'll take your word for it. I'll, I'll let it cook. I mean, it's <laughs> Knock at the Cabin isn't one of my favorite movies of the year, so it definitely wouldn't be in my top 20 either. But uh, okay. Okay. Yeah, it's, uh, that's more of a mid, mid of yeah. middle list. I still like it though. Mm-hmm. I agree, um, but uh, okay. Let's so uh, I I, I have ready. I have uh, three more. Okay, 
What do you got? Two more. Two more. Uh, I watched <laughs> Strange Way of Life, the Pedro Almodovar short starring Ethan Hawke and uh, Pedro Pastel as Jay Cowboys. Uh, fantastic. Oh. Very good. Did it go woke? <laughs> Don't need much to say more. <laughs> Too woke for me. Yes. Uh, uh, no, it was, it was great. Uh, story a bit underdeveloped, but I think it needed to be a full feature. But I still think what they gave us was really good. Okay. Um, Where did you see and that? And before... Uh, it was the same scene. I played that with uh, another of Amadova shorts. Okay. Um, before we did to Killers of Flower Moon, I watched Hugo for the first time. Ooh. Another uh, Orange Scorsese movie, and yeah, oh, I've always wanted to watch that. Charmed the fuck mm. out of me. It's it's magical. It's not at all what I expected it to be about. Um, I won't say it because in case you don't know, um, dude thought it was gonna be a gangster movie. <laughs> no, I thought it was like just this kid in France. I didn't think it would go to like the places it goes. Um, Scorsese's Babylon, his fablements. What? Oh yeah, okay, his fablements. Yeah, I see it. I see it. Um, the store is gorgeous. Uh, visual, it's Scorsese. Like, it's it's just the childlike wonder, like completely encapsulated perfectly. Okay. Yeah, I've always been it. on my list for a long time because you, you know yeah, me, you I love it. animated movies. I love Scorsese, and for some reason, I just I remember this being in theaters. What was this mid two thousands, early two thousands? Um, I remember this being in theaters and just two thousand eleven. Yeah, mid two thousands. I was just like, this looks so weird. Like this, this is the era when I was like, you know, fifteen year old Evan, just like, oh, I'll just I'll stick to Disney and Pixar and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> what are you talking about? I think he's talking about what? a strange way or whatever. Oh, uh, yes, they did. <laughs> yeah, great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry to interrupt you, Evan. No, no, I, mean, I was I had nothing to say. <laughs> Noah had an <laughs> important question, I guess. <laughs> Uh, no, no, I mean, like, I was saying, I was just saying that, like, I've always been meaning to watch Hugo. It just, it turned me off with the animation years ago. But, you know, growing up, Evan, I think I should probably finally animation? watch it. For, Hu for Hugo? Animated. You're thinking of Tintin, I think. I'm thinking of Tintin. Oh, shit. You're right. So what's, what's Hugo? <laughs> the whole time I'm thinking of <laughs> I mean, I, I got those two confused for a while, too, so I don't blame you. Tintin was Spielberg. Hugo. That's the animated movie. Um... Hugo's uh, Asa Butterfield as a kid. Ben Kingsley. Blue Dress Moretz. Ben Kingsley. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Um, yeah, it's great. definitely didn't see it. I didn't know this was Scorsese. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then uh, Tours of the Flower Moon. Okay. You ready for killers? Let's see about them murders. <laughs> Who wants to start? Evan, go for it. Evan, go for it. No, I'll be right sure. back. <laughs> I hated this. No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I had a great time watching Killers of the Flower Moon. Um, I think this was a very interesting Scorsese movie. It's kind of Scorsese towards the end, not end of his career, but towards the height of his career, going back to something which is 
why I love a lot of Scorsese movies. Not, not even the gangster stuff, not, not even the crime stuff. What I loved here is just like the moral dilemma of this movie and seeing how that ideas of greed, moral corruption kind of persist from a historical lens. That kind of what got me into this story. I never read the book, um, but the historical lens of this time period, what the uh, what these people were doing with the Native American, the Osage Nation, um, really interested me. And the ways Scorsese dives into it from a multitude of perspectives here was very interesting, very captivating. While I do think it ran a bit too long, I can also say that I don't think there was a particular scene that felt wasted or that felt yeah. like uh, unnecessary either. Again, I felt the length, um, but I also enjoyed nearly every scene that encapsulated that length, yeah. um, especially the ending. The ending was very unique to me. I remember being in theater okay. like, oh, shit, this was a very unique way to put a capper on this story. You know, biopics famously do the whole text on the screen bullshit. Yeah. Um, but this was a very interesting way that kind of also connects with the themes of the movie. Um, but also in general, uh, I liked, uh, I loved, I mean, uh, Lily Gadstone's performance. I thought she would be in it a bit more, um, yeah, I mean, but I did, I, I, I did love her performance. What we got there, her dynamic with Leo's character was very tragic, um, but also filled with so much depth from her. Um, the way her facial expressions are just, her, uh, I compare it to like, um, uh, what's the actress from Past Lives? Uh, Greta Lee. Greta Lee. Like Greta Lee, Lily Gladstone's like facial uh, acting. acting was just mm -hmm. so strong, so memorable from this year. Um, and I've kind of felt that all throughout the film. This is also one of, uh, what's it called? Um, I'm blanking. I'm blanking. Uh Robert De Niro. Uh, yeah, thank you. What the fuck, Evan? <laughs> Robert De Niro is one of my favorite performances from him. What a creepy dark. Like, this, this is a perfect for Halloween episode here because it's a very chilling performance straight from the first scene. The way he's talking to Leo is kind of like a mm -hmm. animal talking to his prey. Very manipulative, very like uh, devouring performance, um, and just seeing him like. Seeing him go to work this entire movie in such a dark way, uh, it was fantastic to watch. Um, so that trio of like DiCaprio, uh, Robert De Niro, Lily Gladstone, just fantastic. But also a couple of like one to two scene uh, characters in here that had totally memorable scenes. Um, yeah. Jesse Plemons, obviously. Jesse Plemons, of course, comes in towards the third act and just nails it. Um and yeah, I, uh, I think a lot of the perspective of the, I wish we got a little bit uh, <clears throat> more perspective from the OCH nation, um, but I like what we got here. From I love the, those scenes of the focusing on the tribe, but the the chief, uh, the chiefs. Yeah, scenes we did with them, the council, really powerful. Yeah, the council. Exactly, seeing their perspective of what's going on, seeing how their cultures like slowly getting uh, stimulated assimilated and also ignored yeah by everything that's going on in this movie um it, this is like an epic i hate using that word but it's like an epic uh saga. saga of like horrific events um and it's not like pure horror it's just like hard to describe like the horror horrific. of the normalcy it, yeah it's very grim how this is just like commonplace in this mm -hmm. town yeah, they're just talking about killing other people over dinner like in 
you know, as yeah. if it was like a normal Tuesday for them. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what made it so creepy. Overall, very, very good movie. Definitely in my top 20. And <laughs> um, I don't know if you guys talked about it, but the ending too is like, yeah, this yeah. is the powerhouse. Like the way they shift that structure, like where it's usually just text on the screen and make it yeah. like this rodeo, this radio show. They like mm-hmm. really did the plan across that like it's just another tragedy that happened. Whereas like to those mm-hmm. age people, this is like their entire lives. This is like yeah. the worst thing that they ever happened to them. Um, just <laughs> and Martin, I a lot of people complain about the Selvin story of Martin Scorsese in the ending, but I think it's really powerful. Uh, it's to like where he's going to deliver here. like her story basically. It's so effective. Oh. Yeah. I didn't see people complaining about that. I thought that was just a fun, you know, fun cameo performance. But yeah, uh, a lot of people don't like it. Huh. I think idiots. Like, <laughs> I think like another thing that it's so powerful about that ending is that I don't think this movie is very subtle with what it's trying to say. Yeah. But like for a certain kind of people who doesn't need to be, you know, it, one it doesn't have to be. But like there are there are going to be that group of people who just don't get it or don't want to get it so for scorsese to choose to just mm-hmm. blatantly just state it at the end of what it, basically almost like a recap is just yeah. like so powerful and so powerful I don't, yeah. I don't remember if this is the exact last line of the movie but i think it is but like that line that last line of scorsese of the newspapers never mention the murders after um um What's her character's name? Uh, Lily Gladstone's character. Um, when they mentioned like, oh, she died and she was buried with her loved ones eventually, and like how nobody mentioned that all of her family Molly. was murdered. Molly, there you go. Um, nobody mentions that her family was murdered. Like, it's just like again, like I feel like this Scorsese gets off, a lot. Yeah. yeah, I feel like uh, Scorsese gets a lot of um, um, unnecessary sometimes hate for how people respond to his movies, like how. A lot of um, you know, your typical <laughs> dude bros of like idolizing like Leo in Waltz in Wolf of Wall Street or um, De Niro in Taxi, Taxi Driver. Driver is. It's not the movie's fault. It's just the the way that people react to all those movies and just again him just like trying to t- to tell the story of America and how it's been funded. It's been um founded through like just violence and hate crimes. Essentially, is is very powerful and again this mm-hmm. I, I love this movie i feel like i want to watch it again in theaters but um but it's it's one of the also one of those movies just it's just very hard to like so heavy one it's it's very it's a very heavy movie so it's, it's you kind of have to be in the mood for it so um it's also exactly. three and a half hours long <laughs> and and yeah. for me like the runtime is not even a problem like i said like no during no. our private conversations on like on group chats or whatever it's like it's like 10 minutes longer than avatar the way of water like the run the, the runtime yeah. is not the problem it's just like 20 minutes longer the subject. than the most like biggest uh indian like it's indian yeah it's, it's yeah not that much yeah i i immediately finished watching this and i was like i can't wait to watch this at home like i, I don't think i can watch it again like it, it's a very big experience and I think I'll watch certain scenes again, but spending three and a half hours to watch it in full might take some time. Because, it, again, it is heavy, but there are particular scenes from the narrative that I just want to watch again to get a deeper uh, understanding of. That last so, scene between uh, Lily Gladstone and Leo is just powerful. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, that's so great. Her performance is, like, it's 
as lauded as it should be. It's incredible. Very do good. You guys, do you guys still think she has? She's the leader. Is um, Carrie Mulligan just gonna overtake it? I think oh. Emma Stone is uh, number one right now. I think Carrie. It's between Carrie and Emma. Because um, having seen this movie. I can. I, I was like, oh, I thought she'd be in it more, but I can see why she wants to campaign. I did see both sides. Lead. Yeah, I can see both sides, and I respect the lead actress call. From it's her. definitely not as egregious as Michelle Williams. <laughs> I will say that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Exactly. You're right. Like, because like she is. I mean, you could argue. Yeah. Anyways, I don't want to go back to that whole discussion. But yeah, I I can see why Lily wants to be campaigned as lead in this movie. But, like her plight, her. You know her dealing with the situations, kind of the heart of the movie. Yeah. Even the though a lot of her, movies around her, around her, yeah. even, even if she's though not in it as much. Yeah, her, all she's her like, scenes are like with Leo. Though Leo's kind of like the, you know, the eyes of this movie. Um, she's a shadow of the whole movie. Like her. Yeah. 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 Say it. Yeah. Um, yeah. She's like the core of the movie, but even though she's not the lead, like Leo is the lead, and then um she's just like the way she reciprocates to him the way she bounces off of him yeah i, I can definitely see how we can easily get lead actors from here having said that though again i think because she's not in it a lot at least solo wise um i think um emma and Carrie, it's also more of a subtle performance which is like uh, the academy doesn't love that as much no for sure. But I, you can definitely still see a lot of Academy clips from here. Yeah. Um, but it's not like, hey, look at this one solo scene that she just kills. A lot of her scenes are her talking with Leo. Um, so I can see the argument there why she won't really win for that. But she's definitely getting nominated. And I think, yeah, I think she's like number three for me right now behind, again, Emma and Carrie. I can't wait to see Maestro. Mm -hmm. But yeah. Uh, just side note, I won't talk about it this month, but if we're talking about best actress uh, contenders both Kaylee Spaney and especially uh, Sandra Huller for Anatomy to Fall is just incredible. You think Priscilla's getting nominated? Yeah. What? I have her number five right now. Yeah. Number five? Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, it's not... It's a bit of a gamble. I know that. A bit! But... <laughs> I think that movie is rising and it coming out. It's doing well at the box office. Um, it's doing and, indie numbers. Yeah, but it's it's you know it's what it needs. There's a lot of word, good word of mouth. Sure, I think she'll get a good uh, Golden Globe. No, <laughs> I think she did Golden Globe. Critics Choice, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, yeah I don't think um, she did uh, that. Uh, okay, so. Yeah, Killers. Do you guys have this movie in your top 10? Yeah. It's uh, number 10. I, right I haven't ranked it, but yeah, it's it might be. Slightly, slightly behind Barbie. It's like in between those two. I know it's very, very it's different. Right movies, after Barbie but... for me, too. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I have to rank a lot of the, I haven't ranked a lot of movies since November started. So yeah. yeah, I have to rank it. It might be right next to Five Nights at Freddy's for me. What to see? Uh, <laughs> it's right underneath uh, Cersei's Believer for sure. Got it. Got it. Okay. 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 <laughs> okay. Uh, let's get to our last little bit. Um, Edgar saw a couple of festival movies. I saw a lot. So yeah, I just saw like might two. Might as well talk about them a bit. I, I can start first. Yeah. 
Uh, first one, since we both watched it, uh, we can talk about about Eileen uh, uh, mm-hmm. with uh, Thomas and McKenzie and Hathaway, directed by William Altroyd. Um, if you want to check my extensive thoughts on the movie, you can check my review for the Cinema Spot. But um, yeah, this movie is really good. I think it's a bit messy, but I think it's one of those. <laughs> it's one of those. It's one of those. It's one it's of those like, movies where it's good but messy. It's good for me. Yeah, I would say so because, like, I feel like the style of the movie got me more than the actual. Mm. Like, mm-hmm. it's one of those movies where it's like it's messy, but it's really bold, and you respect that. Yeah. Okay, it's it's pretty fresh too. And, it also, and this is like, the sequel to Last Night in Soho, correct? <laughs> honestly, it's it's similar vibes. I think this is more like yeah. Hitchcockian than uh, like uh, Italian Jaya horror, but okay, yeah. And I also really love like the sound design and the cinematography. It really does feel like it looks gorgeous. It looks like a modern 1960 movies. Like the mm-hmm. film grain in this movie, mm-hmm. it's so good. That's awesome. What's the what's the released uh, situation with Eileen? December. It's Early neon. Uh, I think it was on December. Yeah. Okay. But this was this was Sundance, right, Josh Edgar? Sundance. Yeah. Um, then it obviously I. I heard a lot about it being like a big twisty movie, so I decided. Yeah. Uh, I think then we saw it at Newport Beach Film Fest. Yeah. I think for me, like again, I'm not gonna go into spoilers for the twist. Don't say anything. I think it comes a little bit too late, and once it comes, I will late, say, don't watch the trailer. That's out. The trailer yeah, gets yeah, out yeah. in a lot of way. <laughs> I didn't even know there was a trailer. I won't watch yeah, it. Try avoid it. Yeah. yeah, I think it comes a little bit late into the movie, and it kind of doesn't kind of just like brushes over it and just. The way it kind of just ends, but um, yeah, but everything up until is... that is like fantastic. And then the yeah. twist, like I respect where it's going, but I don't think it's okay. executed the best. Gotcha. Okay, I'm 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 interested. So this neon December December is gonna be jam packed for movies. Shit. Yeah. Um, Wonka. Gotta, gotta sweep. <laughs> Wonka sweep. Hey yo. No. Wonka um, looks good. I like the trailer. I did not like the trailer. Um, and moving on to weird. moving on to my third favorite movie of the year whoa so, Lane too <laughs> five out of five bob what is this uh, saltburn try it oh okay oh saltburn number three yeah. of the year holy shit yeah. i've That's seen crazy. more i've seen more mixed things about the movie lately like on social media but i just love it's how... babylon part two yeah it is <laughs> babylon the same part level two. Of the division oh wow um, it's a very uh, disgusting, but also like <laughs> beautiful, sexy, horny movie. I don't know. It's all over the place in terms of how many uh, genres it kind of tries to blend together. But uh, I think it works. I think it works for the most part. Um, that ending, one of the best endings of the year that I've seen. I, I think a little. I've heard so much it, about it. It's either going to make the movie or destroy the movie for you. Again, this is what I heard about Babylon, too, before. I I heard the same thing about Emerald Fennell's last movie. Uh, What was it called? Um, And I didn't love the ending of that movie. So I loved it. I think the ending of the movie works much better because I think, like, the buildup of the main character is a little bit more fleshed out than that. I think promising a woman for me. I didn't hear anything about the movie when I saw it, and then I heard everything. I heard people hating on it after the fact. I think that's why I, I respected it more. I didn't see it coming. 
Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But now, now I'm interested in Saltburn. Like, yeah. Also, one one thing, um, I didn't expect this to be one of my favorite dynamics of the year, but Rosamund Pike and uh, Richard E. Grant have oh, so okay. such a funny chemistry between each other. So, yeah, it, they have like some of my f- favorite like comedic moments of the year. Okay. Wow, number three of the year. What, what are your one and two, by the way? Uh, two is Oppenheimer. Number one is Past Lives. Hmm. I think we should do a Letterbots update after this. I want to see the hard list written. Let's not do that. Uh, my my no. my <laughs> my box yeah. is not in November Save for, for months. Um, next month, yeah. Next month, let's do that. Uh, I gotta reorganize some shit. And okay. Now it's my turn. Okay, I saw I saw a lot of festivals. Oh boy! I'll start with uh, we talked about Eileen already, so we don't do yeah. that. Um, um, it's actually one move, one more movie I forgot about. <laughs> uh, I'll throw it in there because it's awards. Um, I saw Blackberry. Uh, oh, Glenn Howerton's Blackberry. Buzz, yeah, Glenn Howerton is he, he's fantastic. I think it's a bit egregious to put him in supporting. I think he's obviously the co-lead of this movie. Um, but it's it's so good. Uh, it's very like social network, very air. I think it's better than air. Um, it's the best like of these corporate uh, how did it get made dramas that we've been doing recently. Um, the direction is fantastic. Uh, the performances are great. Um, it's it's really I highly recommend it for everyone. It's I think one of the better films of the year for me. Wow. Okay. There's a great Neo drop too. Um, just want to put that out there. Then uh, I forgot about them, but I'll get to the actual festival movies I watched. Um, obviously, Eileen. I watched Edgar. We talked about it. Um, then after that, also part of uh, Newport Beach Film Fest, I watched American Fiction with uh oh wow yes yeah another big word yeah <laughs> it buzzy oh. uh i i thought it was pretty good um i think it's a very good satire uh a nice little breezy character study um it's hilarious it has a really good from grasp on the commentary it's trying to tell by uh another another good directorial debut by tor jefferson um it's really nice to see jeffrey wright get a big meaty lead role like this and i think he crushes it um uh sterling k brown one of my favorite supporting performances of the year i think he's really good here great um it's yeah it's uh scathing satire uh the humor i think really lands for the most part um i won't really say much because i went to it blind and I really love how the film plays out and the way it's, it ends up being about. Um, yeah, it's definitely, I could see the buzz. It's definitely a crowd pleaser. Um, I did see it being eventually in Best Picture. That happens. I, I, I could see why. Okay, yeah. This is one of those movies where a lot of my, like my dad texted me and my mom texted me after the trailer came out saying like, oh, we got to see this on uh, Christmas Day because it's, it's a very good trailer. It's very funny. Um, yeah, very I think it might be really, because it's, it's very much a crowd pleaser. Yeah, it has that relatability, that crowd pleasing factor to it. It seems very lively. I, yeah, I can't wait to see it. I'm a huge Jeffrey Wright. The fan. editing is really, really interesting. Um, the writing is very brilliant, and 
uh, really smart and kind of one hit step ahead at all times, which I really liked. Um, and the ending is really fun. It's a really fun ending. Okay, wow. High praise yeah. from Josh. Yeah, I cannot wait to watch this. This is one of my most anticipated for the remainder of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, my last film of uh, Newport Beach Film Fest, uh, I watched May December. Todd Haynes is. Oh, film. yeah. This is Natalie Portman, wow. Julianne Moore, so and uh, <laughs> Charles Melton, who has delivered one of my favorite performances all around this year. He is incredible in this movie. Um, it's so understated and he has to juggle so much in this and he does it so flawlessly for it being like one of his first big like meaty roles like this. Um, the movie as a whole is very camp. <laughs> it's, it's velodrama to like the best degree. Um, the writing is so smart and so interesting. The direction by Todd Haynes just is so focused and so assured uh natalie portman probably one of the best performances she's had in years um probably since black swan i'd say jeez uh yeah she's really good in this she has a, one scene that like it's if she does nominate it's her roster clip um julianne moore i think is probably the least out of the three which is interesting because i think she has the most buzz for the nomination at this point because the supporting actress is kind of lighter this year yeah. But uh yeah. Would would uh, Natalie be lead or supporting? Lead. She's lead. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um yeah, it's just it's I did not expect this movie to be as funny as it is too. The humor is so dry and so like perfect and it's this because like the movie is so awkward and it it, it like pushes you into like these uh unsettling like uh, um, just it, it really questions the morals of these characters a lot, and I, I like that. It's it's a great movie. I loved it. Yeah, I've been anticipating this movie ever since I started hearing so much buzz about it, and it's so weird a movie with Julianne Moore and Natalie Portman to hear Charles Melton is the big name coming out of this. He's movie. a highlight for sure. He's fantastic in this. So yeah, I'm I'm super excited. Is this coming out in November or December? Is this a I decent month? Uh, it'd be funny if May December did not come out in December. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I think sweet Hunger Games come out soon. Um, yeah, uh, oh, so yeah, I've been into December first. December first is when it streams, but I guess it's only ah, it. got it, got it, got it. Um, but okay, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm super excited. I still think, uh, I'm hopeful that this gets a writing nomination, but I don't know where what else it can it, get. It but. should, man. The the script is so genius, and it's so, it bounces so much. Mm-hmm. I think it should. That's great. Good, so, you talked with the crowd, right? Hmm? Yeah, yeah. It's played really well with the crowd. Okay, cool. Yeah, I was just curious about that, see how it plays with mm-hmm. people watching. Yeah. Okay. A lot of great. gas, a lot of laughs. Um, there's like, <laughs> there's so many like. There's one scene towards the beginning that's so funny and one of the best bits of the year. It's mm. so good. Um, yeah, I also saw um, at Animation's Film Festival, I saw The Boy and the Heron, Hio Miyazaki's you finally latest. Saw it. Yeah. Uh, I did a full review on this channel for it. So I probably won't do it as uh, 
much into it. Um, but yeah, it's I loved it. I it's <laughs> it's not his strongest narrative, but I honestly don't care because it's so imaginative. It's one of the best worlds he's created. Um, the score is incredible. Yeah, it the world building here is out of this world. Um, it's the designs are so creative and so weird and nasty, but also like really cool. Um, and it's powerful. There's some really good emotional moments here. And if you love Miyazaki movies, I think you'll love it. Okay. Yeah, that that's very uh, enticing. Yeah, because I I've been trying to stay so far away from the marketing yeah. of this movie. Like I've seen some, you know, the poster, certain clips when I'm scrolling through Twitter, but I really want to stay far away from like what the world building is really all that's about, what the movie yeah. is all about. Like just from the animation and the look of it alone, it's it's giving like uh, Princess Mononoke vibes a little bit. But I, I don't know. Um, I'd say I, it's a nice blend of like. Uh, Spirit Away and Wind Rises. Oh, okay. Spirit Away. Wind That's like Rises. the fantastical elements of Spirit Away, but really a methodical like uh, story structure and really much like a territory study of it. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That's uh, a great combination. You know, Miyazaki hardly ever misses. So he does. I don't think it's... he's ever missed for me. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It, yeah. Uh, I mean, Studio... Lupin is probably my least favorite of his films, but still great. Was that by him? Or? Yeah, that was yeah. his first. Uh, um, oh yeah, yeah, his first. Um, yeah, Ghibli has had some misses, but I think he, um, he he's been really good, um, mm-hmm. masterful. One of my favorite directors of all time. Uh, <clears throat> so yeah, it's exciting to be in twenty twenty three getting to see this movie. So, in, so and nice especially in theaters too. I think this in IMAX first... too, in IMAX and Dolby, which is yeah. awesome. This might be my first. You know, Studio Ghibli movie in theaters. I can't. Um... Definitely a first uh, new released. I, I saw. Yeah. Um, I've seen a couple in like screenings and stuff. Oh yeah, those those special screenings. Yeah. Um, LA screens. Yeah, I, I I've been meaning to go to like one of those. You know, rewatch. Uh, uh, you know, yeah, but yeah. that's always happening. But like, uh, haven't gotten a chance to do it. So yeah, what's next? Um, next, uh, here's where my time at I, uh, AFI Fest in LA starts. Um, I rewatched or not rewatched, I watched all that jazz for the first time from uh, Bob Fosse. Mm-hmm. And it is, What's uh, it's do you know anything about this movie? Not at all. Oh, um, it's just uh, it's basically semi autobiographical uh, film. Bob Fosse is a theater director. He's a playwright. He's a um, musical choreographer, um, also a film director. So it's about this character who's basically the same things. Um, at towards the end of his life, uh, trying to j- uh, juggle so many things. Like he's directing his first film. He's uh, doing this new experimental uh, musical, uh, but he's also like a father. So he's trying to juggle all those things. And the, the editing of this movie is so frenetic and so incredible. The musical numbers are so good. And it's like, it's dazzling as it should be as like this big classical musical. But it's also devastating. And watching this man come to terms with his death and he's dying. Uh, he has a uh, cancer. He's come, has to come to ter- ter- the terms of uh, what he's leaving behind, his legacy. 
and uh, just all those all those themes, and it's it's masterful. Wow. Okay, I have yeah, to check this one 1979, out. 1979. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And um, for the two new releases, I uh, watched uh, AFI. Um, I watched Memory first. Uh, this Ooh. new film starring Jessica Chastain and Peter Sarsgaard. I've heard she's really good in this. She's fantastic. Peter Sarsgaard is incredible. Um, they're both their their chemistry is really good. It's about this uh, these two broken people coming together. Um, this man who has dementia and this woman who is uh, has mental health issues due to like a traumatic experience in her past. Hmm. So it's about like her reluctancy to open up to this man who can't remember what just happened. Like he has dementia. Oh my God. So it's very, very much a heartbreaking movie and like very pulls at those strings, but also like was surprised by how much warmth it has and how much heart it has towards the end. And uh, it's, it's really, really good. I love it. it. Reminds me of that movie a couple years ago. What was it Little Fish or something like yeah, that? Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, it's also like kind of, version similar to eternal sunshine also Ooh, one of my favorite those vibes sorry please um but yeah eternal sunshine is one of my favorite movies of all time mm-hmm. i love that movie in the way it deals with but time the, yeah the movie starts off like where you think it's going one way you think it's to be this like revenge thriller then it makes a completely different direction and it's like very warm and very aspiring i guess it's it's really interesting Okay. It's from uh, Michelle Franco, which I haven't seen his other movies. He did uh, New Order and Sundown, which I haven't seen. Mm-hmm. But he's it's it's really good. So what's the release strategy for this movie? I've always, I've heard so much about it, but I think it got picked up by like the random place. For oh no! I know. Yeah, sadly. <laughs> oh no! So I'll watch it on yeah, Hulu. We'll see. It'll probably be like a go away to buy a C film, unfortunately. Damn. Yeah. It's going to hell. Because like, they're both Oscar worthy performances too. It's like they're they're great. That's cool. Um then finally I watched one of my most anticipated for the rest of the year, uh All of His Strangers from yes. Andrew Hay. Starring an incredible effort by Andrew Scott. And equally so, Paul Nesto, uh, Claire Foy, and Jimmy Bell. I think this is one of the best ensembles we've had this year. If four people counts as an ensemble, I think it does. Um, I haven't even heard much about Jimmy Bell and Claire Foy. Oh, my God, Evan. <laughs> There's some juicy scenes between uh, Jimmy Bell and Andrew Scott. And Andrew Scott and uh, Claire Foy. Like, this acting is some of the best I've seen all year here. Like it's it's devastating. <laughs> it's very much in the line of uh, After Sun, where it's something that like the slow burn that really sneaks up on you with its uh, um, amount of like tension and heart wrenching like uh, character work. Uh, Andrew Scott, I think, is one of my favorite performances of the year. I think he should be uh, in lead uh, actor contention. Um, the direction is really interesting. I won't say much because the way this movie unfolds is really special. Yeah, I still don't know the full plot, you know. Yeah, I'm not going to that. Kind of stay away. 
I went into it blind as well, and it ends up being something really cool. Um, but yeah, just incredible performances, incredible direction. The camera work and cinematography are just gorgeous. Uh, it's one of my favorite movies of the year. That's great. That's great. Yeah, uh, I remember seeing this on Letterbox, and you had like what five stars for it. Yeah, um, I it five. A lot of love for this movie. Yeah, this this is. I've heard so many comparisons, like you know, After Sun, the the heartbreaking, the emotionality of it. I'm not ready to watch it. I'm very nervous. <laughs> uh, you know, but like it's beautiful. After, it's heartbreaking, uh, but it's also like fulfilling in ways too. Okay. Yeah, After Sun is kind of one of those movies where I was so excited and just super heartbreaking ending that just snuck up on me, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, so going through that again with with uh, all of us are strangers. Um, I'm not ready, Bob, but I, you know. I'm excited at the same time. It's worth it. Yeah, there's a lot of style there too, and I think mm-hmm. it really plays. Uh, it's from Andrew High. He's a gay, gay man himself, so mm-hmm. the way it leads to other queer themes are really well done. Also, okay, good, yeah, incredible movie. Really, really strong festival season we have right now, and like, really strong October. There's still, so many others in general. There. Yeah, you saw a great. That must have been a great festival. May, December, all of us are strangers. Eileen, all that kind yeah. of stuff. Nice, nice. No, nothing uh, was playing poor things though, which I was sad about. <laughs> so I, I uh, watched that so bad. I cannot wait for poor things. Oh my gosh, it, it was funny. I saw the trailer for that with Killers. Um, my dad was like, "No way in hell am I seeing them." <laughs> mm-hmm. He was he was not a fan of the porn things trailer, but you know I, I think it looks really really fascinating. Um, it looks incredible. I cannot wait. Yeah, that's about yeah. it. Yeah. Close us out, Josh. Um, Evan, where do people find you? Uh, find me on Twitter at Harris Harris EV nine. Um, Nathan and I are going to be doing, uh, we meant to do tea yesterday, but he had some issues. So we're going to be doing tea tomorrow, talking about Loki, the penultimate episode of Loki and the finale of Gen V. So again, follow me for talking about Gen V, Loki, and then the finale is later this week for that. And Invincible. Invincible came back last week as well. That was fantastic. Um, I'm sure I'm those are animated. things we'll talk about. on the november episode too oh for sure Uh, especially because invincible um for season two at least they're doing the first four episodes now and there's they're doing a break after episode four and then they're gonna come back with episode yeah they're gonna come back with episodes five through eight i think in january february i don't think oh that's dumb (laughs) everybody is wait like three years i know right um it's it's very weird but yeah robert kirkman said like the episode four cliffhanger is one of the best things people will ever see. And I'm just like, come on, like, what's going to happen? Um, but either way, I'm excited that Invincible is finally back. Um, so I'm always talking about that. I just watched the last episode of Attack on Titan yesterday. I started watching this anime in 2013. It's been a 10-year journey for me. 10 years. Um, and it's one of the best fiction stories ever created. So... Uh, it was that scene for well to that yesterday, but overall, yeah, I've been having a good October or a good start to November so far. So, so far, so good. And, yep. and 
for me. You can find me on all social medias at edgrteg. You can find some of my reviews, some of my work at the Cinema Spot and Loud and Clear reviews. Um, and yeah, I've one last recommendation for spooky season, I guess, even though it's over. <laughs> um, you, if you guys want to watch another good exorcism movie, even though it's not part of the franchise, The Exorcism of Emily Rose, mm. another movie that understands. Scott Derrickson, right? Uh, yep. And uh, what's her face from um, Ozark, the the main girl? Uh, Laura Lenny. Laura Lenny. Yeah, I think so. Um, she's in it. She's great. Amazing. So yeah, and November should be another good month for movies. So can't wait to talk about that. I already saw two that are uh, white in my top twenty. So that's exciting. <laughs> Is it Taylor Swift? Yeah. yeah. Where can people find you, Josh? Um, find me on Twitter at Josh D. Woodbury. Um, where you'd find my thoughts on Spider-Man 2, which I also finished this month. Uh, incredible game. Beautiful story. Uh, I have more on my Twitter for that. Yeah, um, I can't wait to talk about that with you in our November stream when I finally yeah. beat the game. It's going to be sure. so much fun. I think I'm like halfway through. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. Um, you'd find this podcast at WHFG Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and Threads if you're one of the three people still using that. <laughs> uh, um, for updates and announcements. Um, that's saying we have cooking. What do we? What do we have? I want to do top 10 2018 eventually. Maybe we did that finally this month. Yeah, yeah. crazy. That we haven't done that yet. Yeah, we've been planning that one for a while. Yeah, we haven't that done one in fun. like a while. Um, Since like 20, like December of 2019. No, not 19. 2022. That was our last one. I think no so. Way. Sure. No, we did. Sure. We did no ways sequels. We did ways sequels. Oh, I meant like yearly that. ones. Oh yeah, yeah. Really? Crazy. Damn, damn, damn. Um, I also want to do another Oscar video, some more predictions. You gotta do one soon. The, yeah, do some updates. I want to do one more before like the Golden Globe nominations are in December, so I want to do yeah. one more before December. Let's do one more this month for sure. Yeah. Now, like we've seen a lot of films too. At least I have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'll be seeing Eileen, Anatomy of the Fall, and The Holdovers this week. So that's a lot this week. too. Yes, I meant I said Eileen. I meant I meant Priscilla. Not yeah. Holdovers comes out this week. Okay. This weekend, yeah. It's crazy. So yeah, November is probably to be just a stat. We have Hunger Games. Yep. We have uh, the Marvels. <laughs> Wish. Marvels coming out. Wish. Uh, Dream scenario. Napoleon. Napoleon. Yeah. That might be my most anticipated, but we'll see how it goes. Really. <laughs> You wow. never know what you get with Ridley Scott, so that's true. That's very true. Gangster Squad, <laughs> anybody? <laughs> House of Gucci or uh, Last Duel? <laughs> Last Duel was so fucking good. It was great. <laughs> yeah. Joey Tomer snubbed. Big yeah. yeah. All right, that's it for us this month. And uh, let me, uh, let me, let me get to it. let's all go to the lobby let's all go to the lobby let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat
Precisely!